After Dark episode of the Good Anime Palette podcast. Today, it's episode five of our After Dark series, and we'll be covering another series of manga and anime that both Jason and I really love. As always, it's Will, and as always, it's Jason. What's up? So, I just feel like, Will, we need to start a new podcast and call it the FBSS, and it's called Fruits Basket Support sessions and what it is is literally we just spend hours just crying just crying in each other's arms there's no talk about like plot or anything it's just us crying non-stop hey man anime fans and uh, manga fans can cry too right so dude everyone's got feelings right yeah. this this the series we want to talk about fruits baskets uh is is all about feelings so uh fruits basket kind of made a huge impression on at least my anime list which is where we get a lot of our data in terms of impressions and just general like stats fruits basket is currently ranked number five on my anime list that means that things like attack on titan final season part one right um full metal alchemist brotherhood those kinds of shows, or de- I think Death Note is Death Note up there. Like Death Note in popularity is up there. Okay, but in terms of like single digit ranking, uh, I think no, it is top fifty. No. Uh, if you want to actually know, like the I just full, want like the top five, basically. Top five would be in, in order. Uh, would be Full Malcolm's Brotherhood, right? Uh, one of the seasons of Gintama. I think, okay, I think the second or third season. Fair. Uh, season three, part two of Attack on Titan, right? And Steins Gate, Steins Gate, and then Fruits Basket, and then Fruits the, Basket final. the final. So. The point that I'm trying to make is Fruits Basket, the final, made a huge impression on a lot of people. Gangbusters on the rankings. Yes. Uh, And it was quite interesting because I actually watched the first season, because there's three seasons, I just want to say. And also, uh, we're talking about the 2019 remake, not the original, I wouldn't call it original anymore, but the first uh, attempt of the adaptation in 2001 by Studio Dean. Yeah, we will go over why um, we will focus on the second yeah. adaptation and not the first adaptation. Um, similar to you as well, I watched, I watched the first season not, not as long ago as you did, but definitely I watched it before the final uh, had come out. Right. And then for me, the second season, I watched currently, and then I stopped. And then I just didn't get around to it. And then you found that I was watching it. You're like, oh, maybe it'd be time to check no, it no, out. No, no, that was right? even before that. Even before that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So um, I think it was even before we started the podcast. No, it was in like, that's when you decided to start picking up the second season again. No, I literally picked up the second season again when we picked it up. That's what I meant. Oh, okay, that's sorry. That's what I'm saying. My bad, my bad. Look, all this stuff in my eyes and in my mind is driving me crazy right now. Dude, the amount of emotional turmoil, it was just, it was just the roller coaster the whole time. Right. So how we're going to do this is... We'll give you guys, the listeners, a bit of a background on Fruits Basket. We will then have a non-spoilery discussion about all three seasons. Uh, we would, we might go in order, as in talk about season one, talk about season two, and talk about season three, or as it's known as the final. Then we will then take a break and then go into spoiler section. And at that point, no hold bars, everything, all three seasons, because Will and I watched it all. In fact... I finished it a mere, let's see, what time is it? Really, I, like three hours ago. I finished it three hours ago. I literally spent, I was like at two in the morning, 
and then I just watched pretty much all of the final in one go. Yeah, I finished mine yesterday. Um, so we, yeah, we we both have Fruits Basket very Fre- fresh in exactly. our minds right now. Um, the, the emotions are still high. Yes. So, and, so that's why we needed to do this episode just to – come on, man. Like, we need to talk to you guys and just let you know how we really feel about Fruits Basket. And it's not – in fact, at least f- from my kind of style or taste in anime and manga, liking Fruits Basket or – you know, heading in that direction to check it out, at least it was very easy for like people would buy it if I said, "Oh, I'm checking out Fruits Basket." But for Will to check it out, I mean, no offense to you, Will, but it's just like it was unexpected. And I think one of the things that is important that we want to reiterate is, if in, even if you don't like shojo romance stuff, even if you are like a dude bro, I personally think that the the three seasons of the 2019 remake of fruits basket is still exceptional it's it's ridiculous i mean like i i completely agree with what you said just now right where when i told you that i was watching Anohana, i was like huh really yeah it and was, then, it was or, a very pleasant surprise and then it's like, oh i also watched the little monster oh really do you like that and i really like both of them so then when i decided to watch fruits baskets i think that kind of just triggered a response where it's like okay well you're going to be watching it Maybe I should check it out as well. And luckily, when we started checking it out, that's when like the hype train for the finals started skyrocketing, and it, and it coincided perfectly. So it was like, well, now we start. We, we you restarted the journey. I just got on the train. Let's just get to the final station so and do an episode on this. What happened was, I think the the final nail in the coffin to make us want to do this episode is because of. The ranking. We were of, having dinner that night. Yeah, I flipped the fuck out. I don't. Re- Do you remember where we, w- we went to that Isakaya in Cosmo oh, Bay? Oh, that. Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I wanted to go pick up some soju, and you're like, "Dude, dude, dude, check your phone right fucking now." Mal, Mal, Mal. got the alert, <laughs> and I was like, "Ding, ding, 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 ding." Wait, what's going on? Oh, uh, Fruit Basket broke a record. And then Fruit broke a record. Broke and, a, and then when I got back, it was like, "This is one of the greatest anime seasons." of a series of all time right and then i just like it how uh the rest of the people that were there uh it was just you and me just kind of talking about squealing about like this is amazing i was so high like i want to know i want to know we should know there was a period of time where it was like the highest one it broke records it actually went higher than uh full metal alchemist brotherhood then of course you know the senses came back and everyone's kind of like lowered down their their hype but it still sits very pretty at five overall okay so I understand that some of you listeners may not have heard what Fruits Basket is about. And Will and I have gone on for about seven minutes about this series already. You have already heard our very positive thoughts. But what is Fruits Basket? So uh, just very simple background information. Fruits Basket is a shoujo manga, also known as romance manga. It is probably one of the most well-known shoujo mangas of all time. I think uh, to the point where my younger sister read it at the time, and she would tell me about like her thoughts and stuff like that, which was hilarious because back then I was like, there's just no way uh, I will ever read Fruits Basket. So yeah, sure, just spoil everything. Just tell me everything. Just lay it on me. And who who would have guessed that uh, now actually it would come back to haunt me ever so slightly? For me, it was just basically seeing that 
both seasons were on well the first two seasons not the final were on netflix i was like well i kind of did that with anahana i just picked it up why don't i just check it out too and boy the journey has been amazing so fruits basket focuses on two key sort of people slash groups of people first the main character toru honda so toru honda is a young schoolgirl who has essentially a very tragic backstory um, do we want really to go into that? Is that no. spoilers? No. Uh, I mean, also, I think that even though I don't consider that a spoiler, I think it would be better if we leave some stuff out, like a mystery. Yeah. So then people would actually learn as they go. So essentially, she goes through some tough times. But Toru is – she's she's emotionally strong, would you say? She's a go-getter. Yeah. She she just seems to seek opportunity and ways to, to cheer herself up. No matter how down the dumps she is, and includes people around her. Now, you know, through a series of uh, unfortunate events, something happens, and she's in desperate need of help. So then comes in the next group of people, the Soma family. Now, this is just a family uh, who happened to live nearby her, and through a series of events, managed to save her, help her, and then realize, hey, you know what? Like you're out here on your own. We're gonna take you in, and you're gonna be living with us in our Soma family household. Well, one of the households. Right. So the Soma family, in the context of uh, the in-game... Not in-game, what do you call In-story? In-manga lore, the Soma family is a very rich, powerful, vast uh, family. In fact, um, they have what we call... They call an estate. So it's not like a house. It's not a mansion. It's It's plots of land. It's a fucking estate. And it looks like the Forbidden Palace in Beijing. You know, that kind of thing? Like, literally within the walls, there's, like, a house over there, a house over there. There's bridges. Bridges, there's temples, there's rivers. There's Zen gardens in every corner. Like, it's like... Yeah, okay, so anyway. If you you ever go to, like, Japan and you you, you search the grounds of the old castles, it looks exactly like that, where you have, like, one central structure in the middle. You have many structures on the sides, little rivers, bridges, exactly as Jason described. So... Because the Soma family is so powerful and vast, uh, some people basically decides to live outside the estate. Some people decide to live inside the estate. And the group of people that – I think there are only three people in this house that uh, ends up taking Toru in. And then at this point, Toru then begins to realize that there is a secret with the Soma family. And she discovers the twist uh, of the story. And I it appears in the first episode. And it is the whole point of the manga slash anime. So we're just going to say it. Which is the Soma family has a curse. And that curse is in relation to the Zodiac animals. Uh, specifically the 12 Zodiac animals. Now I understand that when I say that. If you are, let's say, from an Asian background, you or especially from a Chinese background, you would understand that completely. No problem. But if you are from a Western background and don't really understand Chinese zodiacs, Chinese zodiacs are kind of, at least in like in real life, what happens is you're born on a certain year, and then every year it is one of the 12 animals, and it repeats in a cycle. Yeah. So with the... Every year is represented by an animal. Right. There's 12 of them, right? So every 12 years, it, there's a full cycle. So there's 12 different animals. And it's it's very important within 
most Asian cultures, even like specifically Chinese cultures, because they, not only do they represent a specific year, but it also it plays a lot of uh, like fortune take, telling. Yeah, so it's like talking about like you know the fortune of your year, compatibility, compatibility when it comes to marriage, or like oh career you, direction, or your personality sometimes. Like, oh, you're a creative type. You're a go getter type. You're you know maybe lazy but compassionate. It's not it's not too different from, from horoscopes, like, right? Yeah, not too different. But so um. What are the twelve animals? Will do you, do you want to see if you can remember them in order? Oh, in order? No, fuck that. I can't remember them in order. Okay, so uh, I mean, it, what we could do is you say one, I say one, and then we keep going until we get all twelve. Okay. Uh, first it's the rat. Followed okay. By, and then and then you remember what happens? What's the second one? No, I I said I don't remember. It's the ox followed by the tiger. Okay. The rabbit, the dragon. I think the snake is next, and then it is the horse. Then the the goat or the sheep, the monkey, the dog, the boar or the pig. I think I'm missing one. The rooster. Yeah. So those are the 12 animal zodiacs. Rat, ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, pig. Okay. Or boar. Yeah, board. So you, yeah, Did you say horse? Yeah, horse. Okay. Yeah. So those are the twelve zodiac animals. Uh, I'm born in the year of the rabbit. I'll just say it now. If you work your way backwards, you will know how old I am, roughly. Well, good luck. It's multiple of twelve. Yep. I'm born in the year of the sheep. Okay. So, the besides that, in terms of the zodiacs, it's important for another reason because, at least when I grew up in Hong Kong, a very well known kind of story that involves the 12 Zodiacs is about a race. And this race, it's like a childhood kind of story. And it's extremely important because this story is gets integrated into the dynamics of the Soma family who has this curse. So now that... Yeah, the story I, also helps to dictate like the order of the animals too. Exactly. So I, right now you might be very confused that, oh, there's the Soma family, there's this curse, what the hell is the curse? You mentioned what's, what's Zodiac the, what's animals. What's the great race, right? What's Why are these animals racing for something? What does that mean for a curse within this family? Right. So but there's actually a lot of connections between the two. And it's very hard to unpack everything in one go because this will take like 45 minutes if I had to explain all of it. But the Toru's uh, first interaction with the quote-unquote Soma curse is when, I think in the very first episode, actually, she... Kind of, I think she falls. She right? falls, and then Yuki, who is um, one of these twelve zodiac animals, like embraces her to like protect her, and then poof, poof, sh- he turns into a rat, like a really small mouse. Yeah. That the, the the reason for that happening as well is as part of the uh, the zodiac curse. Individuals who are cursed by specific animals, when it comes to like hugging or even touching someone of the opposite sex uh i think what it is touching is okay but hugging yeah like if it's like a more physical like an embrace yeah then or like a kiss it triggers the the animal transformation because like things like holding hands we have seen that and nothing happens so when it comes to actual like body like full body contact that's when like they, they they trigger the the curse also they imply several times that uh if it's due to stress or a certain traumatic stuff, they will also turn into animals. They will obviously turn back, but, uh, you know, 
And when they turn back, it's like, oh. Also, they can talk uh, when they're in their animal form. Yeah. So then that presents like a whole slew of different issues for the Soma family, especially a lot of the characters who are cursed with the, the Zodiac curse. A lot of them actually are still like high school or middle school students. Some so, are adults. But for the most part, they kind of have lived with the curse and know how to deal with these sort of situations. But as like younger kids, when they're still in school, it it does pose a lot of issues when it comes to interacting with other students. So they right. have to always try and keep a distance no matter what. And be on the guard. And on top of that, there are the Soma family, which is well known in that town. So then a lot of people keep their distance. They admire them or, you know, but keep their distance nonetheless. And uh, Toru, basically, there's all this character drama with eventually all of the animals that are involved. Because one of the things is that when they when you get cursed, what that means is they when the person who is cursed with the animal dies, that it reincarnates into another person. And then they go find that person, and then they automatically become part of the Soma family. So technically, to my knowledge, the Soma family, even though it's a huge-ass family, not all of them are related by blood. In fact, a lot of them are not. No. It, it, it's like there's pockets of them. There's like little extensions within like the actual main Soma family tree. But a lot of them are like either married off and then like they have like smaller branches of a Soma family or like a smaller like some of them get adopted in into the Soma family. Um, it, yeah. It's a really big family. And it just so happens that in uh, in the beginning of season one, all of the 12 Zodiacs are reincarnated. They're all alive, basically. So instead of, like, one dies and then reincarnates and then there's a huge disparity in age and stuff, they all are existing, existing. Right in this specific timeline. Exactly. Should we also explain another specific animal? I think it's actually very important to talk about, to lay out the foundations of, of Fruits Basket because we listed 12 animals, but there's actually one more. So there is an animal which is the cat. Okay. Why is that important? Because... In the story of the Zodiac race, the cat plays a trick, right? On the mouse? Well, both, actually. It's supposed to be... The the, the main story, there's there's two variations of it. One of which is the 12... Actually, it was 13 animals that were supposed to take part in the race. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, we we are jumping around. Will is now going to talk about the Zodiac race story. Yeah. So then... This relates back to one of the characters that happen, that you see in the first episode. And everything that happens thereafter. It will explain character dynamics as well. So, uh, along with the 12 animals we listed earlier, there is a 13th one called the cat. The cat is supposed to take part in this race, but in the simplified version, the rat was supposed to wake up the cat, but never did. And therefore, the cat never actually took part in the race and is not part of the Zodiac uh, animal um, cycle. So, therefore... That's kind of how the cats ended up hating rats, and that's how like the relationships are between cats and rats in real life. Um, there is a more sort of detailed story later on, but I don't think we need to get into that. The main thing is there was a thirteenth animal; it didn't take part in the zodiac race, and therefore it doesn't exist within the whole zodiac story. But it does play a very, very important factor within the fruits basket story, right? So now that we have explained uh, the context for at least the zodiac animals and the zodiac race uh, in, in like in very like 
what do you call it? Like summarized version, con- yeah. concise version. I will now talk about this is the, the, the Spark Notes version, right? The Cliff Notes. I will now talk about the original manga. In fact, there's there is no other manga. I mean, there is like spinoffs. The source, basically, but the source is a manga that July eighteenth, nineteen ninety eight to November twentieth, two thousand and six. Yeah, a total of twenty three volumes and one hundred and thirty six chapters. If you're interested at any point, you can actually buy it from Yen Press, I think. Yen Press has the digital version, and they combined it in, like, several collector's editions, which is an omnibus. So you can read the original manga. Now, the original manga also, there are several things that you need to know about it. So first of all, the manga, of course, is very popular. It's also very highly rated. It's an 8.51 on Mal. I think it sold over 30 million copies yeah, it's it's a very very like in terms of like best selling, like, very well done. And especially when it comes to shojo, like not shojo doesn't guarantee that you would be successful. And when you are successful, it doesn't guarantee that you'll be that successful. So the fact that Fruits Basket managed to do so well, and the fact that it's still relevant today with the remakes, like just tells you how amazing um, the legacy is. Now, you may have heard us talk about animals, curses, whatnot. But you, when you hear the name Fruits Basket, why yeah, is it what, called Fruits what, Basket? What, what, what do these animals and Zodiac curses have to do with, the, with fruits? So technically speaking, it has nothing to do with fruits. But the, there is a reason for naming the series Fruits Basket. So the name Fruits Basket refers to the children's game Fruit Basket Turnover. At least that's what the English uh, name is. And it involves, at the time, a bunch of, you just like, uh, chairs, I think, and then also everyone is a fruit. And then you just, it's like musical chairs in a way. Yeah, it's essentially like a a children's game, social, like ice-breaking kind of activity. And so the point of the game is that you're assigned a fruit, right? And then you also have, and and that's how you go about playing the game. Now, the reason why this is important is because Toru Honda, the main female character of the whole series, has a childhood memory of playing this game with like her, her school friends, and instead, they she got assigned the name Onigiri, which is rice ball. Now, when you hear rice ball, clearly you know it's not a fruit. And long story short, she gets singled out, isolated, and gets picked on. Yeah, because when you're playing the game, you're supposed to be calling out the name of a fruit. And then that person who's assigned to that fruit, whether you're pineapple, grape, banana, whatever it is, you then join the party. But Onigiri is not a fruit. So... And also they never say Onigiri. Yeah. So then they never summon her or whatever you want so to call it. So therefore, that's why it's like, it, it actually kind of summarizes like her upbringing as well not just like from not from a family standpoint but just in society in general where she's always been kind of left out but no matter what she's she's fine with being called an odigiri like that's just kind of her attitude she's okay with taking things as is as long as she's able to still stand on her feet and keep moving forward now in relation to the soma family she thinks toru thinks that uh the name also applies because as you might expect when we alluded to earlier, the Soma family keeps their distance, so then they get singled out, they get isolated, and even within the Soma family, people get isolated. So it's like isolation upon isolation. 
So that is the reason why the 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 name of the manga is called Fruits Basket. Right. So we've gone through the backstory of the reasoning behind the name Fruits Basket. We've talked about the Zodiacs. We've talked about Soma. We've talked about Toru Honda. But what is the series actually about? We need to more sort of explain like the how all these things come together and actually make one of the greatest manga stories, anime stories of all time. So it is at this point, I think, that we should not talk about the manga anymore, despite the fact, obviously, it's the source, and you should read it if you want, but this is the good anime palette podcast, Will, so people You should, are, you should still check out the manga. You should still you check get, out yeah. the manga, but the anime is goddamn good, but not the 2001 version. So there was adapted by Studio Dean. Oh, oh. Uh, he said the two nasty words of the anime world. Oh, God. Why did you do that? Okay, to be fair, Studio Dean at one point was really good. Yeah. But then they are also well-known nowadays for creating uh, Seven Deadly Sins and fucking that one up. They're also well-known, especially with me and Will, in relation to Fate Stay Night, the I, first route. I think as long as you know Fate Stay Night, you will definitely know Studio Dean and how badly received the adaptation was and i would but that's a whole different story yeah and i would say that looking at the adaptation style of fate stay night and the adaptation style of fruits basket the 2001 version it looks very similar and this series to 2001 adaptation was not very well received the reason for it was because as with most series at that time adaptations came out whilst the source material was still ongoing i mean that that rule still applies nowadays yes. as well but this but the thing is it's like they wouldn't be they wouldn't they wouldn't adapt stuff and then make up their own endings you might have some sort of like creative differences but it was more apparent with like the older series like for example like that's why we have a full metal alchemist yeah that's why we have a whole new adaptation for that um and then there's just stuff that like they decide that oh we we don't want to keep animating it anymore we'll just stop it that's what happened with hunter hunter and then later on it got remade again fruits basket is very similar yeah i i, I think fruits basket in terms of like the full metal alchemist in terms of adaptations is extremely similar because both have an old version everyone doesn't really like the old version even though they might have merit Everyone always considers Brotherhood, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, to be the definitive. the definitive version. And in our opinion, Will and I think that Fruits Basket, the 2019 remake, is the definitive version. Mainly because apparently, and we haven't seen, I actually haven't seen all or any much of the 2001 uh, series. So I can't say for sure, but apparently it's very slapstick comedy. A lot more comedic, yeah. And also, it got shunned by the mangaka. Yeah, Takaya herself was not happy with how the director was handling the direction of the original adaptation. So there was just a lot of just back and forth, just a lot of bad blood. And yet, I think she just stepped away. It's like, yeah, like, you just do your thing. I'm just going to focus on my manga because I am making a good story here. You guys go ahead and just screw this up. And I... You have to understand the implication of an auth, a mangaka or a Japanese author shunning the the anime adaptation or not giving uh, the blessing. Because 
In the West, maybe it doesn't matter too much, and I don't think it matters. It depends, right? Because in the in the West, it would just be more like, well, that person has their own creative direction. Let's give them the platform to explore it further, and then we can see whether it's related back to the source. But in in Asian culture, at least specifically within the world of manga, if you do not follow the source, you are betraying everyone. Basically, is how and then and then fans will not watch it, or fans will shit on it like. In every opportunity they can. It makes sense, right? Like, Takaya worked so hard to get her manga to where it was, and then to see somebody come in, take that source, and then just create something that wasn't even her full intention. A lot of things just did not pan out the way that she wanted. Not to say that she's like controlling, saying, hey, no, 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 you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. But it's like, imagine that you tell someone like a recipe for like a dish, and then they go off and just add their own things, and then it's like, wait, hey, 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 hey. I followed your instructions, but like it, it turned out crap. The original creator is going to be like, well, yeah, it's because you didn't even look at my source. You didn't even look at what I gave you. And that's what happened with the 2001 adaptation of Fruits Basket. There was just a lot of creative differences, a lot of bad blood. And it, it, it finished way before the manga ended. I think there was like 25 episodes, 26? It ended in 2000 and... Well, it got adapted in 2001. So there was two curves, basically, and yeah. then uh, it got shut down. And then we didn't hear anything from uh, Fruits Basket in terms of anime adaptation until, uh, surprise, surprise, I got it, actually the, the news article here. On November 19th, 2018, Fruits Basket receives new TV anime adaptation announcement. So... It is actually, to me, very surprising at the time because at that point, I forgot about Fruits Basket other than, oh, yeah, my, my younger sister read that and really liked it. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're doing remakes. It's a, so it's kind of like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, okay. I've had friends when they were younger, like, were reading the manga, but then it's just like, it's just like within the site, guys. So you just know the name because of the weight the manga carries and that it's still very popular to this day. So to see then that 17 years after the first adaptation came out, that they were going to redo and fix all the wrongs from the first adaptation. And now, you know, 18 to 21 years later, after it all came out, I think it did a very, very good job. So there are three seasons of Fruits Basket. There is the first season that uh, came out, let's see. 2019. Uh, yeah. Exact date you want? Yeah. Okay. Okay. 2019. Let's spring of 2019. I was looking for the uh, the, the, the anime season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So spring 2019 was the first season. Then the second season was spring 2020, and then Fruits Basket the final, which we will just say is season three, is spring 2021. So it just ended like two seasons ago. Um, I think that one other thing to worth mentioning is. Right from the get-go, the announcement wasn't just we will adapt Fruits Basket, but we would adapt Fruits Basket in its entirety. Now, that was their commitment that they made. I remember this because I was like, how are they going to adapt in like two, like one curve, two curves? And then they were like, no, 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 bro. We're going to do all of it. And I was like, you're joking, right? Like, are you, you're betting that you're going to be able to do this? Like, at the time, I was very skeptical. And when I watched the first season... Actually, let's talk. 
Will, do you have anything you want to say before we get into non-spoilery talk of the I, first I think season? generally we just we should just talk about like the general themes. Yeah, yeah of course. General of course. character interactions, but without naming names and going into like the deeper discussion because we want to unfold a lot of things, but it is going to spoil a lot of storylines afterwards. So we give you the, the most basic crash course. Yeah of what Fruits Basket's all about and what we like about it. And from here on out, at least in the non-spoilery section, we will mention the animal names rather than the characters who possess the curse with that animal. Because it is also kind of spoilers for some. Yes, and it's also really hard to remember all their names sometimes because I remember sometimes the first name, last name, and sometimes they even have like uh, nicknames that which is ends up being used. So the first season, Will, when I watched it when it was airing, I thought it was a very comfy slice of life, okay show with min like some drama, but not like that much. Like it was fine for me. It was like very fluffy, but it's also in comparison to a lot of the other stuff I do watch, where it was any any amount of fluff is a lot of fluff for me. It was it, like you said, it was a very very chill, relaxing watch. Definitely had like good comedic, like heartwarming moments. Yeah, but- and there was drama. And there were, like, plot beats that were very, like, you know, like, heartwarming or kind of emotional. But you could see there were, like, moments of conflict. Right. But they would be resolved fairly quickly. And there would be more focusing on character development, character interactions. And that helps to start not not, not necessarily building the world, but building the character tree. Building up the relationships between Toru and all the Soma family members. So it's interesting to note that and I don't think this is really a spoiler or, or not, all 12 animals don't show up in the first season. By the second season, they all show up. But some are actually not mentioned or only mentioned by name in the first season. And then you later on find out, like, all of you, you meet all, uh, Toru meets all of them, basically. And the reason why Toru is so integral to this uh, Soma conflict or curse or whatever in addition to the fact that she's obviously the main character, so she has to be involved, is she kind of just, in a very polite way, meddle into their lives. And when they realize how much of a kind person uh, Toru is, or very understanding, so it, they eventually everyone kind of gravitates towards her. And uh, every long story short, everyone learns... A little bit about themselves or you, you get their backstory usually it's very tragic not usually it's always very tragic yeah and uh but the main thing as well is that like taru brings the vibes yes she she brings pleasant vibes but that doesn't mean that everyone's going to react nicely to those vibes there's going from that interaction alone it does create conflict within the soma family which actually spirals out like and then we'll talk about in the second half because, boy, it's, it's big. Yes. So in the first season, I think one of the moments that stood out to me was uh, the rabbit's backstory. Because actually, he, the rabbit's backstory wasn't full, fully revealed at the time. But enough was revealed that I was like, huh, I mean, okay. Like, this is not what I expected, but... I mean, it's within like quote unquote normal drama, I guess. But the one that I think it's one of the things that like I wanted to praise the mangaka, the series creator, about where when it comes to developing backstories, developing the character growth, 
it's a very, very, very well done process. And the fact that you get a glimpse of who the character is and they provide enough information for you to understand who they are within that specific context, within the first season. But then when you start and watching And then they war, tease enough to be like, okay, something is not right other than the obvious fact that you can turn into animals. But, yeah. but like, oh, like maybe you are a flawed person or you have trauma. And it sounds really crazy that Will and I have mentioned stuff like trauma or uh, uh, like pain and suffering because actually it it's so dramatic in a but not melodramatic like it's really powerful and I think some of the episodes especially in season two that's when things go crazy because season one to me was very much like get you in the door like oh we introduce enough characters so then when we go into season two we don't have to introduce that many new characters and you feel right at home with most of them okay and then we'll add in some banter and cute stuff. Great. Season one. Yeah, do it. And yeah. I- Season one essentially introduces like 80, 80% of the characters. And then the subsequent seasons focus on those characters. And then when you see a new character come in, you already know the foundation of the other character you're interacting with. So you don't really learn all that much about new stuff. What happens is that she starts the, 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 the creator starts extrapolating and focusing more on the depth of... Oh yeah, of a I character. mean you do know new stuff, yeah. but you there is it, no more new. Yeah, it pertains yeah. to something else that already existed. From right, it's not one. a new character uh, because once the characters are all introduced, they literally spend episode or episodes on characters. And here's the part that I also really like about Fruits Basket that is also very uh, a trademark of shojo, which is. Cast is huge. There's a lot of characters. So I mean, okay, just just from the twelve animals alone, that's just the core Soma Zodiac family. But then, as we mentioned, there's Toru? Branch, branches of family. There's Toru. There's classmates. There's friends. There's Toru's family. There's other members that also have splinter families, relationships, and it is crazy. But they all. I mean, I don't think any one character did not have their 15 minutes of fame to shine in one particular episode. And when I mean by one episode, I mean like that episode at the very least focused on them exclusively or mainly through their perspective. Even if there's a character that like you only see for five minutes, it's a very impactful five minutes. And you will not forget them. Or, or like, oh, this character is kind of the nuisance on the side, but he or she kind of shows up frequently. But then this one episode happens you fight you figure out the backstory and actually your opinion of this person completely changes it's really hard to do that where you have so many characters and you're able to flesh out all of their backstories but not drag out a series like to a point where you're just wondering like this is just waffle now like i don't need to know all this i need to know all that so this is the point where i go back to the announcement of the adaptation and them making a huge emphasis that it is a complete adaptation because I think that that is very rare nowadays to commit to a complete adaptation. They obviously proved it because they did it, but at the time, I did not understand why a full adaptation commitment was necessary. You know, usually just, oh, the season one did well. Okay, let's greenlit a season two. Or usually at the end of the first season, you have an announcement for the next season. Everyone everyone does that. But to go out of the gate being like, nah, fuck that. It's all or nothing. And I was like, why? Obviously, now I know why. Commitment to the fans. Yeah, not to mention, it's a fucking amazing series. Okay. So, season one, 
I think was okay. Will, what did you give it? Well, I, I mean, like, okay in the sense that, like... It's still it was, pretty good. It was, it was good. It was good. But it wasn't, like, oh, pedigree, legacy good. Like, I like if you just watched season one, you'd be like... It was a good what, show. What's, was, the, what's the big deal? It, it was cool. It was cool. I mean, it was good, but, yeah. like, what's the big deal, guys? Okay. Then comes season two. Oh, oh, sorry. Before I should say, season one is two curs. I think 25 episodes. Season two is also two curs, 25 episodes. And season three, also known as the final, I think I'll just say that from now on, is 13 episodes. So a total of 63 episodes from beginning to end. So the second, so that's also rare too. Two curs in general is quite rare. And for a shoujo series, it's quite rare. But season two, bro, you take the foundation. You build upon it, you grab a motherfucking hammer, and you break the fuck out of it. It explains why as well. Like, in the first season, it, you spent so much time character building, world building, just laying out all the relationships between the characters. Because then when you go into season two, you don't care about that anymore. You just want to see how these characters develop, what happens to them, what life stories are going to change. Is someone going to be happy? Is someone going to be sad? What's going to happen to this couple? What's going to happen to this person? And it all just starts... Like the, I never expected Fruits Basket to be an emotional show because I had no context to it before even watching it. I knew nothing about Fruits Basket before I started watching season one. And then after watch, after finishing season one, Okay. Yeah. It was like you, where I was like, okay, let's let's see where this goes. Oh yeah, there's some drama. Yeah, yeah. but it's mo- mostly cutesy stuff. Oh, they turn into animals. That's kind of adorable. It's cu- it's a curse because it's a curse, right? But, but it's then not bad, right? Season two then lays into the importance of the curse, the importance of the drama, and also um, introduced the rest of the animals as well. There's like a few more animals they didn't cover in the first season, and then they they it, even though they've been in the shadows, and then they show up in the second season. Their impact is strong. When you start seeing new characters, there is a reason for them to come in. And boy, like the, season two is when my emotional, my, my heart rate just was just out of whack, dude. It was, it was, it was a very, very emotional journey for season two. Yes. So Will and I obviously have watched all three seasons. We loved it. I recorded, at least as far back as I could, the times that I teared up and the times that I ugly cried during the show, like watching the show. Will, how many times did you ugly cry, if you're willing to tell everyone? As a series overall, from seasons one through to the final, ugly cry five times. Oh, really? Okay. I ugly cried, I wrote here four times. We'll go over those specific moments later on. Right. But uh, the teary-eyed is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten times. I, for me, teary was like five times. Right. Yeah. So it the, evens yeah. out, right? You and I kind of evens so out. So the, the point in this is we're not saying that, like, oh, you want to be depressed. You want to, like, have a cry session. Watch it. No. It's because of the fact that, like, it's such an emotionally packed, impactful show that you can't help but like let your emotions run wild. And it, it's at least for like the minute or two that you're watching that specific sequence. 
And I have to admit that I actually stopped watching season two like way back. And then it wasn't until we decided to do the series discussion did we continue through for me to the new stuff. And boy, I picked the worst time to stop because basically the the first couple of episodes of season two is the same tone as season one. Then I think, uh, let's just call it the summer home arc occurs. And that's when, holy shit, shit happens. And then literally episode after episode after episode from the rest of season two and even season three is just nonstop roller coaster drama, characterizations, cry fests, both as the viewer and also in the manga, slash, oh, sorry, in the anime. Dude, it's, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of literary like literary genius when it comes to the drama that develops throughout the series as well. It's not like one of those like soap opera dramas where it's like very visual. Right. A lot so, of it actually happens behind the scenes. So here's the thing that I thought was rather interesting because shoujo stuff is very well known for melodrama and drama. I mean, that's a lot of it. But one of the most common kinds of melodrama or drama is like a love triangle or you know, like a polygon or like whatever. But I have to say, though, in Fruits Basket, other than one obvious one from the get-go, kind of there isn't any... There's like some, another one, I think, involving one animal who has a medical job. But uh, I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Um, but yeah, other than that, like there really isn't a lot of what you would consider typical shoujo melodrama. In fact, they do the opposite of that, which is these are the characters. Okay, these are all the players of the characters. Now, let's go this episode for this guy, this episode for this girl. Oh, you remember that random person? Actually, you want to know more about her because, and then that's it. And that's, yeah, that's where the difference between, like, typical melodramatic kind of series and this specific series are, where rather than having all the angst and the emotions laid out visually right in front of you. A lot of this stuff we see within Fruits Basket is personal. That's why, like, when you have all, like, you know, either an episode or a series of episodes focusing on specific characters, you really get a chance to dive deeper into the person's growth, their motivations, and how they transcend, like, their own, like, Sometimes it's grief. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's just missed opportunity and not knowing if they have the confidence to take themselves to the next step. And I think like just watching each personal story and how those stories intermingle with other people throughout the series, it's it's very beautifully done. So even there are certain episodes that focus on what we call like the lesser characters, the more outer of the circle characters, but they all get their one episode. And this Usually, is obviously done very well, but I was surprised at the pacing, which was, oh, this episode, we're talking about this, what would have been kind of a lesser character, but then I want to know more about the main storyline, but I actually didn't even think about that. Or I would worry that, oh, we are having multiple characters that are unrelated to this storyline or this plot line. I want to know more about it. That thought usually occurs at some point with any series. But this one, it was kind of just everything flowed very organic, despite the fact that all of a sudden one episode would be like, oh, yeah, we're clearly focusing on this person when there is no indication 
from the previous episode. So, and also everyone's likable, bro. Yeah, every every character has importance. Every relationship has impact, and every storyline itself has meaning. And that's oh, that's just one of those things where like I I I, I know that both of us aren't going to stop talking about it, but it's so beautifully connected and like you said right the flow of the story is just oh well everything is beautifully connected like the threads of fate and bonds bro i think this is the point where we may want to maybe get a you know take a break and no uh, no 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 no. We're, we're we're gonna go on because we also have to do tier lists as well for uh the openings oh right yeah okay so okay but before that the last thing I would say is Will and I have been dancing around all like what what is character drama? What is characterization? What is character development in this instance for Fruits Basket? I will name on top of my head some of the topics that has happened. Topics like suicide, topics like parental abuse, uh abandonment issues, neglect, uh what what else will that you just can think loads of like mental and physical like degradation and i have to emphasize and and the the core issue is i guess like love and trust yes you have to understand that i guess if you read the manga you would know but for me as an anime only viewer with minor context beforehand this was a big surprise especially when you consider what was season one so it i again like i can't really say other than spoilers I would say that they go through some heavy shit and everyone looks good on the outside. But actually, when when you dig deeper, everyone is flawed. Everyone is broken in some way. And that is okay. I like that a lot. Like they don't show anyone as perfect or they show it in the beginning. But then when you dig deeper, you're like, actually, your situation kind of sucks. I like I feel I feel for you, man. It definitely had an impact on me. In terms of like how I see myself, how I see other people, the, the the show does a really good job in saying that it's okay to not be okay, and that afterwards, like if you really need help, like there is always going to be someone that will help you. There's always going to be someone that will pick you back up your feet, whether you find it within yourself or whether you seek it or someone comes to you. Like it's 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 just gorgeous seeing everything have like reach from from beginning to end. So. You said the word gorgeous. I also have to say that the animation for uh, the whole three seasons is... First of all, the first three seasons are very consistent. In the sense that if you were to watch all 63 episodes as like, quote-unquote, one season, not necessarily in one go, there is no drop of quality anywhere. It's It just looks exactly the same as it's supposed to. And the look is very sharp and very appropriate for a shoujo. So I like that a lot. The music is great, too. And speaking of the music, so similarly with our Tokyo Ghoul opening ranking, because uh, series discussions, we usually do series that have multiple uh, seasons. We then therefore have multiple openings. Yeah, we have multiple endings, EDs as well, but I'm just going to make it OPs and just make it easier for Will and I and everyone. So I will tell everyone the songs because clearly those you won't know anything about the uh, anime from that. So season one has uh, two curves, so then therefore there's two openings. Season two has two openings as well. And uh, season three has only the one because it's uh, 13 episodes. So season one is Again by Beverly from episode one to 13. 
Uh, opening number two is Chime by I Otsuka. That is from episode 14 to 24. And then in season two, Prism by Am- AMPM featuring Miyuna from episodes one to 13. And then Home featuring uh, by uh, Asako Toki from episode 14 to 25. And then season three, only one opening is Pleasure by uh, warps, war- up. warps Up from episode, like basically all of it. All right, Will, uh, out of these five songs, we are now, you and I are going to rank it. But let's rank it from the bottom up. What do you say? Okay, so for me, it was the second opening of season one, Chime. Really? I was, eh, I was okay with it. Holy shit, okay. Uh, Again, the very first opening. Oof. That one is ranked the lowest for me. Mainly, is, it, is it too happy for you? No, 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 because it's really slow. It was super slow. Yeah, okay. I just... Oh, wait, no. Sorry, I remember the wrong way around. No, actually, you're right. No. Um, again, is actually my... Do, do we yeah. want to, like, stop the recording so you can listen no, to... No, I remember it now. Okay. Yeah, now I remember it now. So, actually, it should be, yeah. Season one, part one, again. It's not, When we do the tier list, we're not saying it's the weakest one. I mean, right. yes, we are saying it's the weakest one, but, but by definition, but like in, in essence, we're it's just still saying, a good song compared to the other four. You know, it's the other four have other things that have, a, has, have a, you know, above it, right? It, it's it's still a good song. Yeah, and music's are subjective, just like how Will's music ranking and my music ranking for Tokyo Ghoul was complete opposites. But hey, like that's the whole point of art; it's to be subjective and appreciating it from different angles. So, uh, number four for me. Fourth place was Prism. Uh, season two, opening one. What about you, Will? Home. Okay. Number four, yeah. Four was home for me. Got it. Um, three for me. And, and, uh, is there anything you want to talk about in regards to home? Nah, I just want to talk more about the next three, actually. Okay, so Prism, I thought, was just okay. And that's mainly the reason why. Um, I think it did its job fine. But because it doesn't really stand out to me, so that's why I rate it fourth. Now, when you're saying like the music, are you like saying the, the the music element itself, or are you also including what happens during the title sequence? The title sequence is a different tier list, bro. Right. Okay. So this is where I think, yeah, very very wrong. Like Prism is amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Number three. What you got? Chime. Chime as well for number three. Wow. Our number three is exactly the same. I really like. Oh, wait, we're not talking about title sequence. I just really like the upbeatness of um, that song. I have it on my Spotify. It was just cute. It was just I, cute. Yeah. It was just awesome. And then, like again, we're not talking about title sequence, but it blends very well with it, right? So, now, number two. God, you didn't like Prism? Yeah, okay. Prism was great. You're what, talking about. What's your number two, bro? Yeah, Prism. Number two is Prism? Yeah. Yeah. Was Home number two for you? No. Oh, it was. Oh, pleasure is pleasure is number two oh, for me, dude. Okay, I think I know why. <laughs> I think I know why. So, um, pleasure being the third, the, the, third the last season, the opening, last season yeah. opening. Um, I think that song is awesome, though. I mean, like these rankings, like are kind of like superfluous, but pleasure in particular, the tone of it is very different. I would say. It's more like R R and B kind of right, somewhat. Like the like, beat, the like, beat's you know, a little slow jazz. It's, it's like more like chilled, but also like impactful. 
Um, they also do the thing where they 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 say the song's name multiple times in English, and um, it's a little bit jarring. It's a little bit weird. But I liked it though. But, I, I I mean, pleasure is number one for me. I mean, I I still like it, but number one though for me is home, which is um, I just really like it. I I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, it's a very sweet song, and um, it fits very well with the title sequence. All right, well, title sequence time. Uh, you want to go from bottom to top, or top in... to bottom? Okay, well, the the my favorite title sequence is. Pleasure. Also pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so even though it's second place for me in terms of song selection, the title sequence for Pleasure, season three final, is just so good. I love it. Uh, I like the – it looks kind of like real backgrounds, right? Superimposed with characters walking or standing. And then they have that dual side thing. Yeah. And uh, it's just – I just really like it. It's just really good. In terms of how to summarize like the final season of Fruits Basket, you couldn't have asked for a better oh, combination that's of what, song and title. Somber. That's what it that's what I was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Because the title sequence has rain involved, at least in the very, very beginning. And it really does give that kind of feeling. Alright. My second favorite title sequence is Home. Just because it's cool that the title sequence is them going home and them just walking. And I really just, or like looking out in the horizon. I just really like that um, orange kind of like mid-afternoon kind of sunset vibe. I really like that. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Number two was home for me. Even though I didn't like rate the music as high, it just it was just a, a very nice juxtaposition of where it was placed within like season two. Just seeing how it compares, like what you saw in the, the first minute and a half of the title sequence, and then how the rest of the episode would play out. I think it was very well done. Chime is my uh, third, dude. It's it's hard. It, you can't hate on Chime. You can't hate on that title sequence. It's 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 of course it's not like was the best thing ever, but like oh, watching it was just it was just cute. It uses rain and specifically umbrellas to signify like certain character traits and certain personalities and colors associated with that character. And I thought that that was very cute. And uh, it's kind of like, oh, the rain has stopped and then everyone, you know, closes their umbrella. So rain comes shine. And I really like that idea, even though it's not very, uh, what do you call it? Like a new. Yeah, it's not, it's not a masterpiece, but it, it, it's just very enjoyable to watch. Prism is my fourth. And then again is my last. So, Again, is last in everything. Yeah. It's, again, not to uh, say it's yeah. like weak. It's just. It's just. It's fine. Like, it's fine. That's the problem. And I was like, quote unquote, that's the problem. But it's also not so much a problem, though, because, like, if you compare it to the progression of Fruits Basket from the beginning to end, it, it kind of makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. But, yeah. I but, mean, I, but if I had to, like, yeah, this, rank this, them. This is, again, like, the, the purpose of doing the ranking is just our own personal feelings about the sequences the music it has nothing to do with how we personally feel about the anime it does have some influence but generally like just because we feel that again is the lowest ranked one doesn't mean that like that's how we feel about the overall series it's still a very good song still a very good sequence and season one is still very good it's just that season two season three like it's exponentially getting better so 
I think at this point, I will mention the future of Fruits Basket because apparent. Uh, I mean, not apparently. This is actually not the end of the Fruits Basket anime adaptation. And because it's not a spoiler, I thought I would include it here, Will, before the, we get into the spoiler section. So following the finale of the, the 2019 anime, they announced that they will have um, Kyoko to Katsuya no Monogatari, which means the story of Kyoko and Katsuya. Now, um, if you really want to know who those two people are, namely Kyoko and Katsuya, uh, you can find out. If you don't, that's fine. But basically, it's a prequel. So it, it will be interesting to see, in terms of prequel, how far back they go, especially with the characters that are mentioned as, um, you know, the, the titular characters in the title. What do you think, Will? I think I'll leave the speculations to the end of the discussion because a lot of the things I want to say will have spoilers in it too. Right. Okay. That is extremely fair. But I thought we should mention it because if we don't mention it here... No, no it makes sense. Like, basically, like, the, the story doesn't end. Like, there's going to be more content that comes out later. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always down for more Fruits Basket. I really like Fruits Basket. Yep. And then I'll before we take our break, I'll just very quickly mention the manga spinoffs. Yeah, there's two. So there's two. There is Fruits Basket Another, and then Fruits Basket The Three Musketeers Arc. Now, I would say The Three Musketeers Arc first. It talks about three of the Soma animals, in particular during a point within the story of the the anime adaptation. So it's still canon. I mean, they're both canon, I guess, right? it's still canon. The second one, it's like, eh. Yeah, and actually, Fruits Basket Another kind of takes place... Like, the timeline, it... It goes uh, it goes beyond the epilogue of the main series. Ex- like, way, way. But, yeah. Um, and, actually, it wasn't very well received, at least uh, according to my anime list. Yeah. The, the, in, in terms of the reason why it came out was because Takaya was, asked to commis- was, was commissioned to do, like, an anniversary uh, release of Fruits Basket. So, she decided, yeah, I'll just make a volume of it. It was well-received enough for her to do two more volumes. So it's just one of those things where it's like, if you really love Fruits Basket, you'll get some enjoyment out of it. But I don't think, I don't think it's a must-read. But, you know, if you want to support Fruits Basket, you want to support Takaya, check it out. All right. So I think that wraps up this our is non-spoiler it. section of... We've had to suppress a lot of things. It was very hard. Dude, I, I, like, I think the spoiler section is going to be madness. Yeah. All right. Well... Sit tight. Sit tight. Grab a fruit. You're the apple of my eye. Or or an Ernigiri. Yeah, whatever, man. All right, we'll be right back. There's an Ernigiri now, actually. All right, we'll catch you later. Bye. Peace. This is After Dark number five. I am your co-host, Jason, and Will's right here. We're going to talk about Fruits Basket. Right, I'm, Will? I'm ready to cry, dude. Okay. So, um, As if I haven't cried enough already. 
just a forewarning for you guys again. Um, from here on out, we're going to be spoiling all of the remake of Fruits Basket, uh, we, which means all three seasons. Yeah, the main series. So of course, you know, we will talk a little bit about the uh, the spin-off manga, we'll maybe do some speculations about the upcoming series as well, but this main discussion is going to be full of spoilers. All right, so moment of silence before we uh, start. And we're back. Okay. okay, all right. So, Will, Fruits Basket is fucked up, dude. Bro, like okay, so you know, I I mean I made this comment to you. I think that like if you're into like Tokyo Ghoul or violence or like you know like that like gore, but that's not like people think like oh then you're a man if you can like stomach that shit. I'm like no, nah, bro. If you can watch Fruits Basket without crying once, you're an animal. Then you're a monster. Just like how certain characters are monsters in this show. All right. So Will, when it comes to spoiling stuff, obviously we're gonna do it in any order that we want. But do you want to talk about, like, certain characters and then talk about them or certain events? Because we're just going to lump all three seasons together. We're not going to spoil, like, oh, season one and then season two and then the final. I think this is a good point to start talking more about the characters themselves. Because so far we've talked about, like, we mentioned, like, one or two names. Yeah, and we're dancing around it. But outside of talking about, like, animals, we haven't really talked about the respective person that's connected to those animals. Right. So the first thing I would say about the characters of fruits basket i will first talk about the people who got gypped namely the monkey okay fine whatever (laughs) let's let's go let's go let's talk about the saru wait wait, why 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 you have that expression i i mean like i i thought that like his personal storyline was already enough but of course like i I just want to see more of him that's all yeah true but like he was in season one, right? When they did the his backstory. I thought it was kind of cute. Like, it wasn't, like, traumatic. But I wanted to have m- more screen time from him. That's all. Not, like, oh, we need to focus on him again. I just wanted... Also, like, I think Hiro Soma, the... Not the tiger. Tiger's uh, the girl. Are you talking about the, the boy? Yeah. What's the... Which one? Uh, is he's it? the sheep. Yeah. So I thought, like, his... Actually, his uh, development was actually quite interesting with the new kid, like the new younger uh, brother or sister. Uh, younger, younger sibling. Uh, yeah. yeah, and actually, his younger sister because I remember the name uh, Hinata. Um, yeah, the the tiger got gypped a bit, just a little bit though. Yeah, but I think like you kind of already knew uh, the the central focus of certain characters and how they wanted to develop those storylines. And so, unfortunately, some characters have to fall by the wayside. But I do agree. I do agree that uh, I think Kisa, right? Kisa was the monkey. Mm-hmm. That's correct. No, 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 no. Kisa is the tiger. Yeah, no, yeah. Kisa is the tiger. Hero, hero, the the is the, the sheep. sheep. And he, Ritsu... does, he definitely did need to have maybe a little bit more. But I think they they get his story kind of covered in the second season. Actually, no, not kind of a lot covered, but his. His story is more important to another character's development and backstory. Um, do you want to talk about? Right. Yeah. Talk about horse. We're starting do, with that. I starting think, with Rin. I, I think we because look, a lot of these characters are going to have very tragic emotional backstories, but I wanted to talk about Rin right from the get go because 
Rin being the horse zodiac. Yeah. So Rin or Izuzu Soma comes in in the second season of uh, Fruits Baskets, and she was. She, I think she was mentioned only by name in yeah. the first season because of the breakup. Yeah, Hatsuharu uh, is the essentially the the male counterpart to uh, to Rin, and uh, which and we'll he, talk about more yeah, later on. And he's the ox slash cow. In this case, it's the cow. So, um, her backstory, Rin's backstory, is just. So f- yeah. So just to give you a little little context in, you know, in terms of who the character is, if you're listening, um, hopefully you're prepared for spoilers or you already know about the the story, or you don't care yeah. and you just want to hear us talk about it. Rin, tall, sleek, thin, long black hair, gothic-ish, very cold exterior, even colder interior. So kudere plus kudere. It's a cuckoo, bro. Now, Speaking my jam. When 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 talking about kudere's, like you already know that they're, they're sometimes standoffish. Sometimes they're not uh, very warm. In fact, they're probably one of the coldest characters. Hence, why the name is called Ku because they're cool. But I think in terms of kudere's, like she's, where would you rank her in terms of the world of kudere's? Would you would you say she's like an A tier, S tier? Because I would say. Uh, high B, low A. Wow, I thought it would have been higher for you. No. I thought I thought she was like a very good Kudere. Or is it but it's because there's... Like, I mean, there's, there's just too many, yeah. to be honest. Like, But within the context of Fruits Basket, well, you very, know, you, very good character. You know where I, I put her, so... Would you say that she has one of the more tragic backstories? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, 100%. But, 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 okay, yeah. look, so the cat with Kyo, right? Like, obviously that is fucked up and tragic as well. But with Rin, it's like, it's almost worse because the cat's fate is kind of sealed from the get-go. At least that's what it was implied. But the horse is just, you know, just one of the normal, quote-unquote, normal Zodiacs. But then shit gets fucked up. Yeah. So she goes through a lot of crazy shit, but you know, just 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 describing her from the get go, you know, like as I mentioned, sleek, gothic. In fact, even like the creator was like, "This is the character of sexiness right here." I mean, she is pretty like she's, sexy. Yeah, she, for her, like you you look at her and she's like, she's she's tall and beautiful, independent. You think like, bro, like you got everything going for you. What's wrong? Why are you look so upset? Why are you so downbeat? There's there's a multitude of reasons as to why she's so broken and just cannot stand to be around other people. So, I think, in my opinion, the worst person, quote-unquote, or villain in all of Fruits Basket is grown-ups. Grown-ups are bad. I think. Yeah, so, she says, yeah, Rin has a, a pretty... Um, Pretty shit relationship with her parents. Okay, I mean, we're spoiling stuff, so we can just go crazy, right? Yeah. So, why is... No, actually, wait, that's that's another character. But, like... Oh, just, like, fuck, dude. Like, if your family pretends to be happy... Like, wasn't there, like, the scene where they were in the dining room, and then it was all nice, and then all of a sudden, she says something, and then the mother, like, throws everything off the table... I'm like, dude, chill the fuck out. Just non-supportive parents, and then through that, she ends up developing like a panic disorder. Like she yeah, just, yeah, she literally has anxiety at one point. Like when she was at uh the the house. I mean, what do you, what do you call it? Not the estate, but like the one of the main houses of um the the Soma family, right? Right, but, and yeah. then Toru shows up, 
and then she thinks uh, Rin thinks Toru was his, was her mom, and then she kind of freaks the fuck out. I was like, she just doesn't like any time that like, she feels that someone is showing like love and affection, like she's being duped. Or, or it like, can be yeah, taken away. That's the panic that just kicks in, right? And so, like, and, and, the, and the other fucked up thing as well is, like, after all that shit happens with her and her parents, and she starts getting anxiety and panic disorders and all that, they then decide just to kick her out. Yeah, and then if that's not bad enough, uh, Akito, which we have mentioned several times throughout the existence of this podcast, uh basically committed a crime attempted murder and it that isn't the only attempted murder basically long story short in addition to all the abuse that she does neglect you know oh it's just it's basically she just does not want anyone to feel happiness because through finding happiness you go on the journey of self-fulfillment and therefore you influence the others around you to follow you on that journey so that's like that that's where like the whole Hatsuharu and Rin relationship is just like it, it's always been under the microscope, right? Of, of Akito, especially and, because it's supposed to be forbidden. Yeah, the re- and, and it's not like oh, it's just forbidden because you know animals should not love animals blah, blah, blah. or it's, incest. It's, no, 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 it's, no, no, it's not that at all. In fact, they're not even related, right? Yeah, they're not related. But the thing is here, it's because hey, if he if Hatsuharu becomes happy, he's gonna want to leave the Soma family. Akito does not want that. No, I think it's even more basic than that, which is if they love each other, they will therefore love Akito less. That's the thing as well. It's the god complex, right? Like, no matter what, your only existence on this earth is to worship the god, and you don't fully if, devote yourself oh, if to you don't, Oh, if you don't fully uh, devote yourself to god, what happens? Uh, you get pushed out of a two-story building. Which is, oh. And then land on a rock. I was waiting for so long when you were watching, because you because you started picking up the second season, right? And then yeah. you started watching and watching, and then you got to episode 17. And I'm like, oh boy. Let me know when you start watching the next episode. I didn't even say that. I was just like, just when it happens, you will let me know. And literally, you just go, bro. Bro. What the fuck, Akito? Bro, holy shit, Rin! Okay. Oh my god! Okay, so so start, uh, just just keep talking, and I'm trying to find that like, exact interaction. God damn! Like watching it was just like you had never seen someone act so vile and despicable. Like you knew that Akita was at that point rotten to the core, but you wouldn't have thought that she would go to the full extent of actually trying to kill someone. Whether or not that was her intention, like, bro, like, what would you have expected when you push someone off a two-story building? You either really, really fuck him up, or you kill them. Now, in this case, luckily, Rin survives, but she still carries a scar in her back. She still has a lot of mental trauma that derived from it. And actually, she was the only, pretty much the only um, Zodiac, or I guess ex-Zodiac member that will not forgive Akito, at least to, to, in any capacity. Just just, just cannot, right? Like, yeah. She just thinks about it. It's like, she's done this much, not just to me, but to, like, the members Haru around me. as well, yeah. Right? Like, how could anybody forgive them? And I, am I being selfish for being the only one that can't forgive her? And she has her reasons. Also, she got fucked over by uh, Akito's mom. And then, which also is... Um, Shigure, the dog's doing... Yeah. Because the dog was the one who told... Ren, um, the Akito's mom, to to do what she did. So I, so like, 
that's she, why that's why like you know when I said like love and trust is one of the central themes of the show like this is it and I mean not, it's shoujo sometimes so. it's like extreme love and trust or the lack of All right, and, I, I, I can't yeah. find the chat archive I'm just gonna give up on that so um, yeah I flipped the fuck out when she got pushed out um, I also teared up a lot when she hugs Toru outside the, the house and she's kind of like oh I, I'm gonna like can, can I trust you, basically? And then she hugs her, and then Yuki, uh, the 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 rat, is like, "Oh, we have something in common." But okay, when I say it like that, it doesn't sound that significant. But like, you have to understand that with Rin and Yuki, their relationship is kind of weird because Haru is like the glue that come that they 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 both care about Haru, but and Haru cares about both of them, but. The two of them are like on polar opposites. So, but I also like the part where Rin would, uh, when Yuki finds out that Rin would actually basically be on watch when he vi- when Haru visits Yuki. I thought like that, and then Yuki realizing that like so long after, I still think is like a very nice moment. Yeah. So we're glad that in the end that Rin is fine and she's able to get back with her. Her true love, Hatsuharu, which, by the way, like... Dope motherfucker. I, I really like Haru. Like, first of all, like, your fashion sense is godly. Second of all, your kind of deadpan, kind of straightforwardness, and just saying... Sometimes a bit dense. Yep. And then, at the same time, being very caring and observant and sensitive. Dude, man. But it's, it's like, it's sometimes a, a, that kind of apathetic approach to life that... It's also one of the more real portrayals of what life really is. Like the guy, like more laid back, literally, right? Yeah, the guy you can see, like, okay, look, like, shit's fucked up, but what, what are you gonna do? You just move on. But at the same time, when you see that someone else can't move on, you gotta get your hand out and help them. And that's like, no matter what, like, even though like he consist, he continuously tries to help and support Rin, and knowing that like Rin will not be able to get over her own personal traumas with his help. Like that that was just like a when they finally get together, which is exceedingly beautiful. I mean, it's kind of like they push each other away on purpose to protect them, but by doing so ends up hurting both of them. Um, and I think that the realization that they did that to each other was a very powerful moment because that is is kind of like, dude, I love you so much that if you hate me, I'm okay with that. Like, I just want to see you be happy. And I'm like, bro. Yeah, I'm doing this so I can protect you. Yo, when Haru says, welcome home, I flip. The- and then she says, I'm home. Dude, I ugly cried so fucking that was, hard. That was a cry moment for Dude, me as I well. I ugly cried so fucking hard. It was just really, like, symbolic as well. When, like, she's getting carried away and she looks back and she sees, like, her spiritual body there slowly just fade away. Yeah, and, like- and because that street, obviously, because it's anime and manga that street is the exact same spot where she fainted and young haru like where they like first kind of met in real like yeah the first time so rin and also like it's really cute rin's kind of like oh haru being like actually uh rin was like worried sick about you toru and she just wouldn't stand still 
And she, turned, she changed colors. She turned green and purple and brown. Yeah, <laughs> and then she just goes multicolored. And it's then like, you, and then you're, uh, you. I saw this as well, but you as well. When uh, at the end, when they were at the banquet hall, and then Haru just like pats, and then she just the little, like, the little cute, like cute eyes. It's just like cool, cool as fuck. Okay, short hair or long hair? I kind of like short. the short hair. Yeah, bro, that's it. The long hair, it's like it makes sense in the sense that she's the horse, right? So the right. The, the long mane, the, the tail, and all that. But like the the cutting of hair is is, is almost like symbolic. Which, I mean, like, in Asian culture, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. in this in the sense as well, it's like literally cutting the ties between her and Akito. And Dude, she's when finally you get able to put in the cat's oh, house or whatever, what do you call it? That is fucked up beyond belief. Like you're being essentially left to die. Yeah. Right? Like, you have been exiled, and all you have left is to just go about your days until the end. All right. Okay. So, I think we've gone a lot about Rin. We both love her as a character, both in terms of looks and her development and her story. We wish her and Haru the very best. Yeah. Should we, let's keep our focus within the, the Soma family, yeah. right? So I, 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 I'll, I will uh, talk. Let's talk about the boar, bro. Let's talk about Dude, Kaguya. Dude, I love the boar. So, Kaguya being the boar slash pig, I guess, in the very beginning, especially in season one, is kind of this ADHD-filled, violent, but, like, cutesy violent, like, act, like, like oh, like, oh, you're so cute, and then, like, punches you in the face. It's like Cinder Yandere-esque. Yeah. Right? Because, like, nobody else can have... Because she, she really loves Kyo. Yeah. Like, goddamn. Like, oh, my God. When well, no, no, like, when it, when, it, when it first starts, she's just being very clingy, right? Lo- lovey, lovey-dovey, but it's also, like, violently, like, grabbing him, punching him, hurting him. Yeah. And then when he's, when she sees Toru, it's like, hey, back off, bitch. <laughs> this this guy's mine. But then um, season two, episode 11. Goddamn. Confession uh, time. So that episode is purely for Kaguya and her quote-unquote date with Kyo. And then they go back to the playground where they hung out for the first time. And then they... Uh, dude, that her monologue was... And this goes, back to, this goes back to what you were saying as well, where it's like sometimes some characters don't get a lot of screen time, but all you need is like those five minutes. Dude, I ugly cried so fucking hard there. Like it was very brave of her to come out and to essentially to admit that, yeah. like, oh, I actually pitied you. Like that was actually why I quote unquote loved you was out of pity. And then her realizing that it almost doesn't matter at that point because yes, it stemmed from pity, and I should not be forgiven maybe for it stemming from there. But the end goal, I which is where I uh, reached. Is I still love you regardless. Like for her, like thinking that in the beginning to like, you know, basically give her give Kyo support was selflessness, but in actuality, like it was actually a very selfish thing for her to do. And then only after so many years was she able to come to terms of what she had done and to confront Kyo about it as well. Was just like it was the, a very beautiful moment. Yeah, like the fact that they were at the playground where they met. The fact that she talked about like the egg because he. Kyo was drawing eggs because he doesn't know anything, really. And that's, like, really sad in and of itself. But then her admitting, that's the that's the thing that, like, really gets to me is that she admits it not only to herself, but she admits it to Kyo point blank. And then when she turned around 
and oh god, fuck. She's still able to, you know, move on from it. I mean, of course, she still loves him, but at the same time, it's like it's just one of those like selfless loves. Right? It's like, look, I can see he's happy, so that's basically. It. I mean, she's still going to yearn for him, but I, I think it's also a bit of uh, because my love was it's not like quote unquote pure. Like, I do not deserve to be loved by Kyo, despite me foolishly quote unquote foolishly still in love with you. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I think her character for me was probably the most dramatic because it went from being kind of like a comedy gag and clingy kind of annoying side character to one of the most impactful episodes of the entire series for me. It was it, it was just really beautiful to watch that like, oh, hey, kill, let's go on a date. No, what are you talking about? No, I'm going on a date. No, no, no. Let's go on a date. No, no. Let's I have go. something I have to tell you. And then Kyo's like, I have something to tell you. And then you know immediately it's like, shit's about to go down. But I did not expect that. Yeah. It was one of the more... The, the, the whole thing about talking about relationships in the series, this was probably one of the more impactful ones because what it, it didn't end up being a relationship, but it did end up giving both sides the conclusion they needed in order for them to keep moving forward rather than like butting heads and wondering like, Oh, why do you love me so much? Why do I love you so much? And then finally like coming to the truth and being able to express it freely to each other. It, it's, it, you needed that conclusion in the end. And I'm glad to see that both sides were mature enough to, to listen to each other. I mean, at one point Kaguya slaps Toru in the face and is like, listen, girl, get it together or else I will take him from you. It, basically, that's what she's saying. Uh, Which and, is also the same thing with Momiji and um, and Kyo as well. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, dude. Uh, let's hey, talk. I like her. I want to take her. Do you want it, me to say something like that? Why aren't you gonna? Like, I know how like, you it, feel about it, her. Oh, if you're dilly dallying, I'm just gonna take it. So Momo, Mo, Momoji, Mo, Momiji, Momiji, uh, the rabbit, uh, is actually that his backstory of the mom wiping the memory. That was the first instance in. Fruits Basket season one that I realized that there might be more towards the drama side than I initially thought. God, it's, it's the same thing with the with um, with Boar Girl, right? With Kaguya, where like seeing him uh, all cutesy, wearing like you know beautiful schoolgirl uniform, shorts. He's just very lovey dovey, very dere dere, just basically all around like ball of love. But then when you start seeing his growth and like hearing like the backstory but it's like wow this is a complete 180 like one of the more tragic stories the fact that they're all tragic will they're all but it's one of the more tragic ones there's right, some that, because like, she's alive and she's there yeah. right okay that's a very that sounds like a very heartless thing to say but when it is so within reach but you can't grasp it it's almost worse in a way yeah and the fact that like his father doesn't actually hate him but it's more like pragmatic like in reality we, we this can't like go on like i'll help you with everything but like gotta give my actual family like you are a family but eh, kind of uh, the violin scene with uh the little sister creeping in that was very cute for sure i honestly thought um there would be some resolution of that but i guess not the mom saying, oh, welcome home, or 
let's or like have a good day yeah that that's was, that that's where and and i think like in in another as well um it's implied that um him and his sister actually you know get back together as in like they are actually they're like within they're like because, having a sibling because you know with with the mom finally opening and saying nice pleasantries to him I think they've reconciled their relationship, either like getting back as a family or at the very least being on cordial terms where the mom is now accepting that, look, this is your real brother. This is your real sister. Let's at least rebuild that relationship. Just do a DNA test and you'll know, bro. Yeah. So it was it was really beautiful to see that development as well. Not to mention what well, was also really funny, too. <laughs> I mean, you, you knew it was going to happen. But when like when we, she shows up at the school and all the girls were like, oh, my God, he's so cute. Oh, can you imagine when he grows up and he looks like this? And then when he actually grows up, he looks exactly like that. <laughs> it was like, oh, so I forgot about that. I thought his character, the rabbit's character is like really good because it it is a very interesting dynamic of when he was like, quote, unquote, like a, a kid height, even though his age is not of a kid. He was very cutesy. He would wear female clothes, like uh, f- clothes that uh, are attributed to the female gender, and no one pays any attention. He's, he's just a pure character. Yeah, and if anything, they're like, "Dude, he's fucking cute in that." Like, in both sexes and heterosexual being like, "Dude, like, he should wear sailor uniform." What a, what a beautiful what a beautiful boy. What a oh yeah yeah, but in a non. This is just like wow, you are absolutely gorgeous. Please just wear whatever you want. Goddamn. So, one of my favorite singular episodes was the bookstore episode, season two, episode twelve. I think. Yeah. I really like that story a lot. I think that story really encapsulates all of Fruits Basket because there is regret. There is, like... It, it, it shows the further reaches of the effect of the Soma curse. Yeah. And also, it's like, oh, um, I can't get what I want, so you will do, I guess. And then that falling apart. And then your best friend falling apart. The fact that you want... All you want is for them to be happy, despite the fact that you have feelings towards one of um, the... Uh, he, uh, Hattori? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Which, the character we're talking about here is... Uh, the G- seahorse. GTM. Great teacher, Mayuko. Oh. And her relationship with the seahorse. Yes. So, it's... I like that episode a lot as well. It was just... Again, it's... It, it, like you said, it's, it, it only took one episode. It was just one episode, but damn, like, how impactful it was, because she has absolutely no reason to be involved with the Soma family other than her friend being married, or at least being engaged to one of the members there, and also her relationship with Shigure as well. It's just, hey, like, I'm just a friend, blah, blah, blah. But then when she starts learning about the curse and seeing what happens to her friend, like, it's just it, it's it's just amazing to see that the curse itself is not just something that affects people within the family, that it trickles down to those who are even, like, mildly associated with people within the Soma family. And just to see, like, just one whole episode dedicated to her story, it was just, it was a beautiful watch. I didn't cry for that one, but it was just like, oh, my, my heart felt very warm at the end. It wasn't like that throughout the whole episode. There I mean, was, I, I there teared a lot up. Of tragic episodes. I teared yeah. up towards the end when they were at on the bridge. And, sh- and um, Mayu actually, like, cried for both of them. And I was like, oh. and then Hattori says, thank you. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, 
God, I couldn't take it. Yeah. And also the fact that, like... And then yeah. you flash forward. I thought that was awesome. And every single time when Shigeru is like, oh, you're single, right? I could date you. It's like, um, okay, sure, fine, whatever. And then after moving from that and then going on to eventually being with Hattori, like, she still has, like, some resentment for Shigeru, but, like, also knows that he has to exist within this relationship yeah, anyway. dude, when he shows up at the parents-teachers conference, it was the best thing ever. Yeah. Oh, man. She, also, she was a good character, too. I really liked Mariko as much as, again, very minor, but still had, like, a very impactful story. So, let's talk about my second favorite male character, Yuki's brother. Ayame, okay, all right. The snake. Because the reason why I would put him above the rabbit, which is number three in my mind, is because he is kind of like aloof and like funny and whatever. But actually, that's kind of like a shell. But what's inside like is real. Like, for example, him trying to patch it with Yuki when Yuki visits his studio for the first time i thought like that interaction when they were both sitting on the sofa was really good uh the fact that the brother actually knows what's up and like would show up on certain occasions i thought was really good him showing up at the parents teachers conference was both funny and emotional at the same time and uh yeah like i i really and i like his even though it was it's a very minor his relationship with uh, Mine, I thought, was for the screen time and importance that it has. It was done kind of cute, very cute. So, um, yeah, I like um, Snake Guy a lot. Unfortunately, Snake Guy doesn't rate that highly within the male characters, even though he's a good character. The one character that I wanted to focus on was the rooster, Kureno. Oh god! Oh, you just had to dig. Oh, I mean, I mean, actually, they're all just like they're all daggers to the heart, man. Yeah, because the thing is, right? Like when we talk about all the characters, it, everyone deals with with loss and grief, you know, missed opportunities, trust. But with Kureno, like he didn't lose anything because he had nothing to begin with. Well, okay, not nothing to begin with. Uh, okay, be- you're talking about the curse, right? Yeah, because he. At a very, very, very young age, got the curse broken. So, this is extremely important because, first of all, it is possible to break the curse, clearly, because that's happened. Maybe you don't know why, but it has happened because there, there's a case. And the fact that Akito basically breaks down, like, I kind of felt really bad for her, like, legitimately, when she kind of pushes him into the room and then kind of cry and be like, don't abandon me, please don't abandon me, please don't abandon me. I was like... And because the- that's all she knows. Like, she's she is the god of the Zodiac, right? Like if she can't even keep one of them with her, then she she's failed. Like, she, like, her whole existence is a lie. And then to have him really like Arisa, clearly, and Arisa likes him, but the fact that she... He has to be like... No, I have to stay with, I have to stay with Akito, at least for now. But, like, I have to stay. I can't. Like, she needs me. Like, it's, like, one of those things that, like, what you do in the name of love and self-sacrifice is so painful. Like, I think, if anything, that is the toughest decision, I think. 
because not only are you with Akito because you're you're you, you kind of don't want to leave her alone. Yeah. There's but, a difference between being like selfless and like putting others in front of you, where in this case he's like devoted to just this one person. Like he could have easily just said like Yeah, and he uh, he, yeah. he doesn't have to curse anymore, so he could just fuck right off. But because he knew that if he did Someone was going to get really hurt from it. They he, even mentioned Yuki that. Yeah. They mentioned that, like, oh, if it's not for Kureno, like, Yuki would have been super fucked. If not, like, she, he, I mean, he 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 got messed up pretty bad, too, obviously. Okay, Yuki was also fucked. <laughs> yeah, so Kureno, like, I mean, I also like that Arisa, like, the convenience store and then the soba scene. Toro, toro soba. Right, but the fact that, like, it's, like, love at first sight, that one was a a little bit hard to swallow but i accepted it because i love all the characters pretty much so i was yeah. like fine Arisa, you guys get to- Arisa Uratani, i i like her a lot as well but i like uh another classmate even more Ugh. saki bro saki Bruh. saki is the greatest saki is no i mean it's no spoiler in it for both of us to say that saki is the best character in fruits basket period so the thing for her as well, it's like she doesn't really have all that much of a, of a backstory, but th- that's not important. No. The important thing is what she does to people right now. What's important is you have nightgown parties. Yeah, not 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 sleepovers, nightgown yeah. festivals. Yeah. <laughs> What's important is uh, you. Oh, your the Yuki fan club is about to invade. Oh, I am just gonna pretend to curse all of you, but somehow I can actually do that. Oh. Yeah, um, I'm very perceptive. So is my little brother here. Do that one episode when the yep. three girls invade her house. Exactly, fucking That's great exactly episode. That's exactly what I'm one talking the, about. One of the moments when like you just needed to break away from like heartfelt drama and crying. It just felt so good. It was, that just, episode. It was, just, it was just very fun. It, it literally felt like a high school comedy. It was that like, you would have imagined that would be like an episode out of like Asobi Asabase or out of like um Dela's high school boys. It it just felt very very warm and funny to watch that in the midst of this cold and dark world so that the you, people fruits best live in so you said the word oracle and i thought that that was extremely extremely appropriate for saki because she is kind of this almost this like unknown force right but like she's omnipotent right like she's everywhere right she's everywhere and nowhere she can pick up like she can mind read not like we it's unconfirmed whether or not she can actually do that but on as far as like cold reading goes, yeah. like, she's like a master at that, and that's the thing that like, I like about her, like because there's a lot of like similarities to why I like Hatsuharu because of the fact that they're they're, they're not apathetic. In fact, like Hatsuharu is apathetic, whereas she's like Saki is more just monotone. Chill. She's just, just monotone, chill, right? But at the same time, like what she does for people is not selfless is not selfish what she does for people is like is what was needed in that specific instance she is very much like the backbone to like the friends support group so like when uh in season three they had to make the flowers and it gets stolen by the yuki fan yeah. club and arisa's like well time to break some heads and then saki like without skipping a beat's like i guess i'll bring the firepower too and i'm just like yo dude shit's about to go down or during the school play i'm like all she could care about is Yakuniku. <laughs> I think for her, like, like I love her a lot. You love her a lot. I love like, her. Even, she, she's e- number one, hundred percent. Even Takaya came out and said that, like, she is like one of the strong, if not the strongest character 
across the whole fruit basket. Because she series. doesn't break down. She literally has not ever been broken. Because she just knows that like there's always going to be a resolve at the end, and like no matter what, like if it's not going to come from yourself, someone's going to come and help you. And that's what's just beautiful. Like her her relationship with her friends, no matter how cold she seems on the outside, is just pure. Like even like through all the black gothic clothing she wears, and like whenever she gives off that kind of weird mystical oracle vibe, like Lolita kind of. She in the end is just she's the real deal, man. Uh, she is the shining light. Yeah, for people. Um, and the fact that like people focus on how Toru is the one that's trying to like bring life and sunshine into the Soma family, she's also been supported by Saki. Without, yeah, I'm, without I'm Saki, telling you, if I have friends like Saki and Arisa, I'm good for the rest of my life. Like I'm like like that's it. Just pack your bags. Uh, friend obtained, best friend obtained. I, I, I can go now. Yeah. But then throughout that journey as well, having that support group, having, like, the interactions with the Soma family, having the exploration of, like, her family past, like, my level of appreciation for Toru Honda actually, like, skyrocketed throughout the series, where in the beginning, it wasn't so much lukewarm, as more just, ah, oh, she's just this, you know, kind of, you know, stubborn, like, lovey-dovey, go-as-you-play kind of character. But then, like, when you start seeing, like, a lot of the stuff that she does is extremely selfless and like she really just does anything she can to make things right and make things happy. When she pretends like not pretends, like when she tries to mimic her dad in front of the mirror, I was like, Oh my god, don't So many times when it's like in the beginning when you see her smile and laugh at all, it's like, oh it's just you know, happy go lucky kind of girl. But then like later on, like from season two on end of season two through to like season three and seeing her like smile, I just can't help but feel it's like this is just her putting on a face, putting on a mask, because deep down, like she she doesn't know what to do. In fact, there are moments where she kind of panics and and like cries and breaks down because she does not know what to do. And usually, when that happens to a character, I'd be like, "Oh God, just stop whining." But with her, with Toru, I was like, "Dude, like, you want to sit next to me? We'll figure it out, man. Like, we'll we'll we'll, we'll draw up a plan." Like, she wants to help people, but she's not helping herself. Like, a lot of the stuff that she does is just to fill the voids that exist within her from the first place. It's like uh, in a vi- in a in a hypothetical village, the doctor treats everyone, but what happens when the doctor gets sick? Who treats the doctor? Who cuts the barber's hair? Exactly right. So it, that like, I like I that's Toru Honda, and I under- I agree with you that. Uh, my uh, fondness for her as a character skyrocketed. It's still Saki number one, but damn, yes. Toru is 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 close. But Toru is not that high on my list, actually. Really? Actually, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think her like fondness goes up a lot, but still couldn't really get to the point that I was like, "All right, you're like top material." I would say that she's top three for me. For me, I absolutely I love Toru now. For me, um. I thought. Do you want to go into it now? No, 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 no. We'll do that later. Uh, okay. I will. I will talk about. I think we should talk about the three, but then I will talk about one more character, and then we'll get into the three. Okay. Um. Actually, no. We should also talk about Akito as well. But. Okay, we need to dedicate a, a lot of time about Akito. So, who's who's the next character oh, you want to talk about? Oh God. Um, we'll okay. be fine. We'll be fine. Okay. Um, the last character that I want to talk about, at least I want to bring up, is Machi. <laughs> okay. All right. So I like Machi too. I think that um, the perfectionist thing is something that I think a lot of family, like Asian students, can very relate to, and the pressure that comes with it. 
And then when you add in the whole Japanese, like, oh, you have to be the successor. You have to be more perfect than this other person in order to be the real successor. And then breaking down and then trying to get approval despite the fact that you are, quote, unquote, perfect. Like, it's just really a... It went. She went from being, like, a random character because I knew she gets with Yuki. And I knew that because my sister told me, like, eons ago. But to have an episode to find out like what she's doing and why she does it was um very relatable i think and um yeah dude Ma- machi's pretty good machi's a good character and i just like the, the, the dynamic between her and uh and yuki uh, the 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 one scene i really like as well i think it was in season three, like final season, uh, when they're doing the the still council meeting, and like she looks, she, at, she oh, looks at the she box breaks. Of oh, that's so good. She, she looks bro- at the box of chalk, and then Yuki just snaps one of them, and then she's like, no, okay. very nonchalantly too. It's just like while he was talking, he's like, I'm just gonna break this, so then it is quote unquote imperfect, so then you don't have to like throw it, like uh, throw it on the ground and and cause a scene. It it, it was a very beautiful relationship. I really really like that moment a lot too. So. Yeah, I, I, I quite like Machi, and I think as a character that I didn't care about to a character that, like, it just jumped really high in terms of, like, my fondness for her as well. Yeah, dude, okay. In, in, in terms of, like, all the characters, there isn't a single character that we hate or dislike. I think, like, we all have, we, we both have, like, some level of affection or connection with the Somas, with the school students, with the adults. Like, there isn't a character that I would say is weak. The only time we'd say it's weak is just because there just wasn't enough screen time for them. Yes, I would say so as right? well. In the case of Ritsu. Like, mm-hmm. Ritsu's story was also extremely tragic. And, like, the fact that, like, there was that, that really good re- resolution at the end. Right. When Toru comes in to save him was wonderful but right the cross-dressing and then kind of just gets left on the wayside yeah i think the ritsu's mom has a good moment in that episode that focuses on ritsu so i really like like that short plot line even though it was very short but let's talk about the big three bro the big three on both sides right like big three like three best girls three best boys No, no no as in um the main trio which is uh toru honda uh, Yuki. Yuki and Kyo. I have to say right now that Yuki's overall growth over the last three seasons is probably the most rewarding and most dramatic and most beautiful change ever. Before this all started, were you Team Yuki or Team Kyo? Take a wild guess, bro. I mean, you're the Kudere, right? Yeah. And I'm the Cinderé, so... There you go. Of course I was going to be Team Kyo. So of course I'm going to be Team Yuki, bro. Yeah, but y- Yuki's Yuki's story, like, living through life, at least from, like, the exterior where people can see you're the Soma family, you're gorgeous, you're the president of the student council, you're literal perfection on two feet. But you for- have a fan club that literally, quote-unquote, protects you and follows your every move. Right, and like, there's almost like this this weight of expectation. Not even expectation. Like they just they just believe that this is like that you are the perfect human being on this earth. But then when you start like looking through the cracks, you see this tiny little crack, this tiny little hole where, hey, let's just dig deeper and deeper. And oh my god, wow, holy fuck, you are actually one of the most, if not the most broken character 
this whole story. Holy shit. I mean, yeah, that's why they focus so much time on like, him. Literally, like, the second half of season two was all about him. Yeah. Right? It, 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 it felt like, you know, watching that progression of everyone worshipping this kid to then seeing why he, in the end, still feels so empty and lost. And he actually picked himself back up bit by bit. And I really liked that. Like, it wasn't like, oh... I, sl- I, I, I fell asleep and then wake up the next day and then I'm a new person. Like, you actually saw the changes bit by bit and it was awesome. Like, to see someone who was, like, worshipped by the students and just seen as, like, the perfect human being to then actually be very, like, not confident in oneself. Like, th- his level of self-confidence was not high at all. Like, he just he, he, he just puts on the facade. He, he knows how to show people, you know, who he is, what he is. But there's always a distance. There's always a gap between himself and... And those around him. And it just stems from his upbringing, his tragic events of interacting with school students, with his classmates. And who, just a lot. who was the person that noticed that he was all alone? Like, who was it, the person that when he was trying to find something to do with a bunch of people, they're like, oh, no, we got it. Who was the person who found it? Machi. That's the I, person. I really liked it as well. It's like, <sighs> it's like you ran all the way just to say hi or you're, something. Your 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 movement patterns are so irregular. I couldn't find you. I was like, "What were you talking?" <laughs> that that was just like the no. little quirk that yeah, I liked about my. And then she's like, and then and then Yuki's like, "Yeah, it's called patrolling." <laughs> I was I was like, "Yeah, you're not wrong, but also." It was also really cute that when like, he pats her head and like his first, her first isn't was just slap him. <laughs> it was like yeah. that was really cute as well. That was nice. Right. Um, so, so Yuki, like, I I really like Yuki. I think that in terms of his growth, it's one of the. Of course, being like, like one of the deuteragonists, like basically, there's like two, and like there's there's two protagonists outside of uh, Taru, which is on one hand Yuki, and the other hand Kyo. So, on, in season three, episode ten, I wrote here, uh, I teared up a lot when Kyo and Yuki fought. They finally had that actual heart to heart where they actually listened to what they had to say. And to I each thought other. like the thing of actually, you have what I wanted. No, no, no! You don't understand. I have you have what I wanted. Yeah, they spent so much of their lives painting each other to be the villain in their story that when they realized actually they've had it wrong this whole time, dude. Like that, what you just said, like painting a villain as an excuse, so then you can lash out or have a direction to, you know, put your anger towards, and then realizing both of them around the same time, same moment that like we both done fucked up. Yeah, like basically, like Yuki, like like villainizes Kyo for the reasons of him being lonely. But on the flip side, Kyo villainizes Yuki for taking everything away from him and and, and instilling all this guilt that he's lived with. Oh no, his and whole also life. because Kyo and Toru. That's the other thing too. Yeah, but it's 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 it, 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 it like mild jealousy, but not because like he loves no no Toru, no, no. but more because of the fact that like. How could, how is it so easy for you to make her smile? Whereas for me, exactly, it's, it's tough. Wow, you remember the exact quote? Yeah, like it was. That's that was a good moment yeah. for sure. So like, just see like her him finally coming to realization that like all he has to do is just believe in himself, and then therefore that self belief would then transcend to other people as well. It was just a very beautiful progression. On the flip side, with Kyo, so oof. with Kyo, I have a very love hate relationship with him because I think the moments that 
he are very introspective and he has his monologues are 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 so well written. The points where it's like he doesn't join the family dinner and he's sitting in his room or yeah. like he's left his own thoughts. Or when he turns into the creature yeah, at the, the end. The of- things that are most important about Kyo is the things that he doesn't say. When he says stuff, it's like you knew he was going to say it because he's a fucking Sundere. He's going to yeah. lash out at society and all that. But when, like you said, the introspective stuff, the stuff that he keeps himself. Like when he realizes that he's, he loves her and the fact that like he's struggling with oh, I'm going to be confined for the rest of my life at some point. Do I want to spend that? I want to spend that time with you, but also like that might hurt you in the long run because I might not see you after graduation. Like, or um, just all those interactions. But the the thing I don't like is the sundere part, uh, which which I understand is the whole point. I like, love it. I won't take that away from anybody, but I just don't like sundere that you much. You just have a personal vendetta against sundere. That's I, it. Uh, yeah. I do. And I, I love Cinderella's. Well, there so, you go. That's why I love Kyo. Kyo is just, it's just, it's just, it's just like it's, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's, I in, it's, in the, it's the same way that I like, like you know, the the male MC in My Little Monster because he's a fucking stubborn Cinderella. It just, you just sometimes you just like to see that kind of like growth to maturity. Like, like I really appreciate those kinds of stories where they, they kind of take off the shackles of, like, of of being burdened by expectations and making sure that other people see things the same way you do and then being able to be more objective, more understanding, more communicative with people. But at the same time, watching Kudere's who already have a level of maturity, who already have a self-idea of what their worth is, but then just needed to have a little bit of warmth and a little bit of confidence to fully break out of that shell. Like, to see those two journeys come together at the end with the fight between Kyo and Yuki was just, I that was a beautiful moment. I also think that the moment that Fruits Basket really kicked into full gear is, uh, the the summer home arc. That was such a, what, that was such an emotionally draining. It didn't need to be like you're just like oh, we're going off to summer vacation. Yeah, because, no, because what? Yeah, Akito shows up. Rin it, shows it, up in, in like a huge capacity too. So uh, Rin shows up. Oh, um, Yuki's here. I want to see Yuki. Oh, Kyo's here. No, Kyo runs away. And then Toru goes to go look for him. It's just, there's just like so much. Looking at the on. stars yeah. with Yuki, and that's when Yuki starts to change. Kyo realizing that he actually has feelings. Like, it is such an important moment. So, yeah. I really liked that story as well. Oh, man. So, th- that just then further reinforces that there really isn't a single character that we dislike. Every character has the reason for existing, and we really love the way that the story basically gives each each character importance. Now let's talk about the most important part, Akito. I mean, we talked about Toru already, so I, I, I Toru, thought, we don't need to. We, exactly, we, we know because because Toru's existence is very much the social glue. But then you find out that this glue is actually not all that strong. But she's she's basically strong because the others around her are receptive to what she does, but she herself doesn't do anything to fix herself. And so therefore, like that's why like her juxtaposition with Akito exactly. is extremely important. Right. So Akito is a very easy character to hate in the very, very oh, beginning. Very easy. Like for like like fifty episodes, she has zero redeeming qualities. And I understand that that was done on purpose. Let's, let's try to recall what she's done. So it's basically... Oh, uh, shit. Here we go. So she, she pushed Rin off a building and almost killed her. 
she essentially shunned uh, Kyo from the Soma family, but then gave him the ultimatum of, hey, you got to beat your brother. You got to beat Yuki before high school. If you don't, then I will exile you for the rest of your life. If you do, then I'll finally call you a human being. Oh, uh, uh, Yuki, I will confine him to a room because theoretically the rat and God is supposed to have the best relationship. Oh, you are worthless. Oh, we should... I, I want to see the world be painted black. You should be black too, bro. Oh, and then, of course, going over and, and, and talking to fucking... Talking to Toru in the rain and then, like, slashing her slashing face. Slashing her face. Like, oh. fucked up. And then, what else? Perpetually uh, telling Momichi that you're useless and all that. And, like, you have no importance to the family whatsoever. Kurino. Uh, I mean, that's obvious. And then, oh, fucking Hattori's fiance. Let's not forget about yeah. her. Holy yeah. fuck. Like, basically slashing out his eye and fucking it up and then getting him to... Like memory erase his fiance. Yeah. Oh goddamn. That that's just a handful of stuff. We're not even talking about all the stuff that she did when she was a kid. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked about the things in the summer home arc where she sees each zodiac character by themselves, just so that she can berate him or her and start planting the or, seeds or of abusing doubts, or abusing. Know? And it's just like, fuck off. But 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 but. The final season really um, made me at least sympathize with her. I don't love her. I mean, I still... I, 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 I like yeah. her as a character. I don't... Exactly. We, we, we need to clarify this. Like, she is a very well-written character. Very well-written. Multi-layered. Like, she went from being a one-note villain to of still a villain, but, like an understandable villain like for her to pull the strings behind the scenes like you just you cannot help but hate her and that's that's the beauty of like the the creator's writing where like yeah you're supposed to despise her you're supposed to think she's absolute filth but then the final season shows up i mean i said that exact same thing to you i said like oh my god are we going to have to like actually sympathize with her and 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 actually have to care a little bit about her and and apparently you do yeah you do you do a lot i it worked on me i actually will say this i don't think that ren's character was written that well yeah let's talk about ren's character so ever so briefly because she only showed up ever so briefly just to be there to stir the shit pot she's the milf bro yeah she comes in and just says hey look like i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna fuck your dad i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna take the the i'm gonna be, join the soma family oh and then... uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck your lover basically uh akito's lover basically with a sh- shigure yeah and it's just also like she's very one note yandere basically right and then, but then after like the after the box reveal like that's it we don't see her again do we yeah we don't. That's it. Okay, so there is one character. They were like, like when she shows up, you're like, I thought I thought it was going to be a big deal, uh, and it kind of was in the first episode. But the, her big deal was to further accentuate like the importance of Akito and like how she came to be who she is in this in the story. Yeah, exactly. So she was just basically like helping you move from point A to point B for Akito. So supplementary character at best. All right. Well, it has time for the tier list. How do you want to do this? Because we are, uh, our our time is we don't we don't want to rank all the somas plus the some of the students, right? I'll just I'll just throw some names out and then see where you rank them. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, um, what are the tiers? We'll just say, um, how about S A B C D? Yeah. Okay. Go. Okay. Uh, Akitsoma. 
Uh, Akito Soma is uh, B. Starts off as a C for me. Then. Starts off as a D for me. And then goes to a B. Yep. Okay. Um, Yuki. Yuki is an A. Kyo. Kyo is a C. Wow. Yep. Wow, you hater. Okay, well, Kyo is an A for me. Uh, and I, I hate him, I, I guess. And, and Yuki's also... Mm. Yuki goes from an A to borderline S, but I'll keep him as an A. Shigure. The uh, dog. Shigure is a B. Yeah. I think he I think actually his story at the end could have been more fleshed out. I'm not sure how it was in the manga, but if had it been like a full two cur season, I'm sure they would have like actually shown much more spotlight on the Shigure. Because he's rant. actually a pseudo villain. Yeah. 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 He was the one who also started a lot of shit too, but I think just one episode on that was not enough. Yeah. Okay. Um Kagura, Bor. Uh A. Uh B for me. Momiji. Uh S. S. <laughs> Very, oh, dude. Hattori, uh, uh, Doctor. A. A. Yep. Haru? That's uh, okay. a Haru, the um, uh, ox. Oh, why, why are you even questioning me on this S, 100%? S, 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 however many S's you want. Um, okay, by the way, we're not ranking them within the tier, right? Because that would be too complicated, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. good, okay. good, good. Um, Ayame. Uh, Ayame is S. A for me, but... Still, I like the character a lot. That's um, a snake, right? And then, like, rather than saying Kisa and Hiro, I would want to just put them both together because their stories are very much intermingled together. They're polar opposites, so put them together. They're one singular being. Uh, so, for me, I put Kisa as B and Hiro as C, mainly because... So the, basically, like, mid-tier. Yeah, because yeah. Kisa is just super adorable. And Hiro is just... Hiro is basically Light. Yes, essentially. Right. But he, uh, I do have to give him props that he realizes that he just shits on people just to make himself feel better. He and still he actually, grows up. He still yeah, grows up. And he actually stops himself several times. Like, respect, though. I'll give him respect. And it's also very cute as well that, like, in the end, his moment with uh, with Kiso was just nice. very pure, very nice. Nice. Uh, Ritsu, monkey. Uh, A. It could have been an S, right? Uh, if, if, if there look, was more focus on the monkey story. Honestly, like... If I have Actually, to, do, yeah, for the short amount of time, if I have to be objective about it, it should be a C. But I, I really like it. I really like the character for the super brief amount of time. So I then moved it up to A. Rin. <laughs> Come on, man. S S S. Okay, yeah. S S S S S S. Kureno. Um, Kureno. I gave him an S. Where did I put him? I gave him um a B. Ooh. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, uh, Toru Hondo. C. Takeya's going to have a few words to you later. I gave her an A. I, I thought, like, her as a character for what, the because, most part. Because she's a main character and she's supposed to hit, help everyone heal. Therefore, like, she was already doing her job anyway. No, she doesn't it, offer anything else no, beyond it, that. No, if anything, the part that she does not help them and then she kind of has self-doubt and she kind of questions herself and whether she help or not with the secrets, that was actually the part that, as you said, it skyrockets. Hence that, why it's, so it went, from a, it went from non-existent to a C. Yes. Wow. Okay. It went from a C to an A for me. Um, Uatani, Arisa. Biker girl, B A. I give her a B. I I I would have liked to see more of her, but the the, the her story with Kyoko um 
Toru's mom was very beautiful. Yes. But we'd like to see more. Uh, I, I actually also, wanted to see more of her relationship, or at least her dealings with Kureno. Yeah, I also think that her banter in general with Kyo and just, like, comedic was pretty well done. So then that's why I moved her up a bit. Yep. Okay, not even going to ask you about Saki. Oh, wait, we wait, wait. Why, why are we not talking about our goddess, lord, and savior, Saki? We don't need to. We already know where she ranks. But if you had to definitively say, like, who is best girl in the Saki. series... Okay. What about you? Saki. Okay, there we go. But a, 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 for me, in terms of like the three main like best girls I would have had, I think it would have been like, for, like first is Saki, second runner up would have been Rin, and then third runner up uh, would be Hara, Honda. I, I like Toru. I, I just like Dere Dere characters, man. I just like Lovey Dubby. Mean, like, for me, it would be Saki. Rin and uh, Kaguya. Ooh, Kaguya would actually be a good shot too. Okay, best boys. Who's ha- the Who's the best boy of all? It has to be one, two, three. Rabbit. Haru. Oh, ooh, you gave it to Momichi. Yes. Okay. All right. Ha- Haru's number two. Oh, and then Momichi's Ayame, number two for me. Ayame is number three. For me, Shigure was number three. I just liked his basically like his his comedic demeanor like, like, and, how and, he... and mastermind kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, like. Saying something but actually saying nothing at the same time. He would have been higher if we actually fleshed out his backstory. I honestly again. think so as well. But ooh, Momiji, actually very good one. I I really like Momiji because as well. She he was really like quote unquote cutesy in the beginning, right? But then you find out that actually his story is really tragic. And then when he grows up, dude, fucking man, the fuck up when he broke the the curse. It's just like, bro, Akito. I'm sorry. This is very unexpected for me too. Look, just give me the night, all right? You just chill out here. And it's also like in the beginning when they first introduced him as well and his relationship with Toru. It's like, oh, I'm just a young little boy, you know. Like, of course I'm gonna like, you know, uh, on, uh, Onesan. Yeah, dude, when they were holding, then, when they were holding hands, when he grows up, you and then he like squeezes her, and like then her like hand, she, and then he grows the fuck up. But it's like, yeah, I'm a man now. I'm gonna take your girl. Yo, Unless that was about savage. It. That was savage. Fucking guy is just fucking 420 IQ. Just knew exactly what how to What about the search. vice president? <laughs> okay. Underappreciated character. I do like him a lot, too. I gave him a B. He was a B for me, too. Like, he could have been more, but like he, he does exactly what he needed to do. In fact, the two siblings are both Bs. Machi and uh, the vice president. Yeah, I like Machi as well. Machi's great. Oh, I guess we need to do a soft mention of Mayuko as well, the teacher. Oh yeah, I gave her a C. Uh, bookshop girl, right? Yeah, I gave her a C as well. Like, it, it in the end, it was good that she had her relationship with Hattori. I mean, I think in terms of the singular episode, that was one of the strongest singular episodes. But her as a character, I was just like, okay. Also, because you can't really do much with like her character. Yep. Any other characters you wanted to highlight in the tier list? So. I thought the rest of the student councils that I have not mentioned, aka the the cutesy girl, that oh, yeah, that girl, and oh, she was uh, funny as well. Was as it well. the accountant? No, no, Machi is the accountant, the secretary. I thought they're both D's. What do you think of Mine, the the, the maid girl that works with Ayame? I think it probably would be a B, but not enough screen time. Not exactly that. That that's mainly it, really. Um, what do you think of the mom, Toru's mom? I didn't really give her much of a ranking. Oh, really? I I, I said S. I, I, I really like the fact that 
she is both strong and weak at the same time. Uh, her last scene when she's in that accident was... And the things that she says during those last couple episodes, like, very, very powerful to me. Cool. Now, any other characters? Because there is something I do want to... Akito. She was the first one. We, we, we gave her a B. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... When 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 Fruits Basket started serializing, it started serializing in Hakusensha's um, bi-monthly social manga called uh, Hanato Yume, right? Mm-hmm. So they did a, a fan poll of the top three most popular characters oh, from no. Fruits Basket. Do I have to guess? It's very easy for you to guess. Can you guess who number three was? Number three? Yeah, there's the top three most favorite characters. Okay, who was, who obviously was... Yuki's there. Yuki's number three. Yeah. Can you guess who number two is? This is a shoujo manga. Just just, just give me a sec. Just give me a sec. Haru? No. He doesn't even make it in the top three. Fuck. It's very basic. Okay. Number two is Honda. Toru Honda was the number two most popular character from the series, which makes number one... Kyo! Kyon Kyon! <laughs> Dude, it's a fucking Jose manga. Of course they're gonna like that fucking hot-headed stud. That man that is the cat. I disagree with the ranking, by the way. By course, the way, yeah. um, speaking of Kyo, huge props to the foster father. Dude, that guy... She showed- okay, you know what? No, S. S, S character. Kazuma, right? No, 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 no. Kazuma's the, the dojo guy. What, what's his name again? I don't know. Adoptive father. Yo, you okay, are. I mean, you are G. I'll, I'll, I'll check right now. It was just, oh man, like it was just so cute to see at the very end when Kyo and Toru go over to the house after the curse is broken, and they have that that embrace. Like you, you never ever see. Tar- no words were exchanged. Yeah, you didn't need to say. You just see mouth move. You just see like them staring at each yeah, other. Yeah, Kazuma Soma. Kazuma. Yeah, dude, fucking great guy. Dude, dude is legend. And she, he's just so calm. He's just so calm all the fucking time. But I can totally see, like, a backstory of, like, he was the most, like, rage-inducing person. And then just is like, no, nah, I can't do this anymore. And mellows out. And then it's just like... So, you know, like, when you said, like, parents are usually the villains in this thing, right? But then when there are parents that we mention of note in this episode, they are S-tier. They are great parents. And they lead by example. And they're not real parents in terms of, like, biologically. Yeah. They just, they oh, yeah, they just. Oh, it's it's selfless love, but familial love as well. Or, or though, to be fair, Hero's mom is pretty dope. Like very side character, but like she was very supportive. Yeah. And Kaguya's uh, mom is apparently, if I remember, very supportive of Kaguya in general as well. So yeah, not all parents are bad, but okay. Last thing before we end this, worst parents. Just one set of parents you think is like the worst throughout the whole series. I I think I already have my one. I mean, it's just Rin's parents. Oh, I was actually going to say Machi's parents. Oh, shit. That was my second choice. Yeah, Machi's parents. When the- Dude, okay, okay. Let's talk about that real quick. When you put a blanket over a child. What are you doing to my child? <gasps> oh, my God. Get a fucking... You just tried to kill your child. You just tried to kill your brother. What were you doing? Hey, this is the, sti- the shining light of our family. You get out of our house. So I, <laughs> I just thought, like, the Rin storyline with the, with the very, family. Very tragic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yuki's mom, I like the kind of semi-redemption 
and especially like the, I guess the last interaction Yuki has with the mom, at least in the anime, where, he, far- where she allows him to choose the, the university he goes to, right? Yeah, or like she kind of is like, "Hey, don't text that much." Here's I'm giving you the phone. Just don't text that much. And then you see her like face red. Like yeah. you're like, and this is right after like the last scene before that where they interact was Yuki stopping him after the parents teachers conference being like, yeah, I'm picking my own university. Yeah. The Rin family storyline is just basically it's, it's all curse related, but it's extremely, extremely tragic. Whereas the Machi family storyline is just, dude, you're just shit parents. Yeah. Yeah. Machi is just shit parents. Like with, with Rin, at least like they they caved under the pressure. Yeah, of there the is storm. a reason for why like there's so much hatred and disdain for one another. But like, there's absolutely no reason to treat your daughter like this. Holy fuck, dude! When the vice president lays it out, it's like, bro, uh, Machi's parents and my parents are fucking assholes, but my parents are a little bit better. Like I feel bad for Machi. Like oh fuck, like oh, oh god, I want to protect Machi. <laughs> Good thing that Yuki came in now, and he, he he decided to grow up and become a man. So there you go. This this is our very emotional thoughts of pers- personally one of the my favorite okay my anime series. So, now. um, a couple of things. Uh, Will and I have the exact same ratings for season one, two, and three, which is eight, nine, and ten. Is that correct? Very much so. I think we both agreed that like. Season two could have been a nine, but what it did no, was a ten. No, it a ten, but it, it basically laid the foundations to make the final season exactly like, that's that much like better. One hundred percent. Um, the other thing that I would say is, what do you think of the two thousand and twenty two prequel? I'm very kind of. It's it's definitely going to be very emotional. I just right. want I just want to know like how far back I think like, I asked how, how far back the curse or how far back like the, the the connection between the Soma family and yeah like how far back in the prequel like is is Honda's there or is is she a child or is this like how the uh, Toru's mom and dad meet so then we see her biker gang days like like I don't know how far back of a prequel we're talking about it's probably going to be like it'll it'll definitely dive deep into the relationship right especially because do with Takaya saying that like you know. Kyoko's color is is red, right? And uh, Katsuya, uh, the father, his color is white, more 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 calm, more more chill. And then therefore, that's why when the two come together, they make Honda, and her color is pink. So she's like an amalgamation of both. She she's a bit of both and both sides. But to, to answer your question, I would like for them to go as far back as possible. I'm not ready to see the end of that relationship right like i'm not ready to see kyoko and katsuya meeting their end again i, I can't i can't <laughs> okay this is the absolute final thing before i will go into housekeeping fruits basket in terms of the overall series in terms of your top 10 or top whatever where does it rank roughly it's cracked into the top 10 yeah for me too as well like whenever someone says i want to watch a shoujo or character drama from now on, the first thing I would say is probably Fruits Basket, the remake. And if someone was just to say, yo, can you just recommend, like, a good anime series? Like, I like to watch stuff like Film Alchemist. I like to watch Bleach. I like to watch, you know, fucking Naruto, but not. It's like, okay. Yeah, but have you tried this? This, this is very different from all that. But I can assure you it's going to be so impactful that it will set you on a journey to explore more of those shows, more of those themes. And, dude, like, 
it, it definitely has an everlasting impact on me. Just thinking about the stories, thinking about the characters, it's still kind of it doesn't make me cry, but I definitely get emotional. Thinking I, about I the think characters. I will rewatch certain monologue scenes yeah. yes. like time and time again, like on YouTube or whatever, just so that like I will remember like the, the because some of the lines are, monologue, right? Some of the lines are so poetic, like quotable in like the biggest sense of the word. But okay, that, like that, I will, I will, I can watch Kaguya's monologue anytime. Dude, I can, yes, I can re-listen to Toru's retelling of. The Zodiac story anytime. Or or Toru uh confessing to um Kyo, like the last scene, like when uh Kyo's in the rain curse no, when Kyo's curse got lifted. Oh uh, yeah. And also in the rain. The one in the rain is so fucking brutal, bro. Okay, anyways. Um Case of what we love. Fruits, Fruits basket. basket is fucking awesome, guys. The fuck are you doing? I know it took us two like two hours to say this, but bro, like Bro. Bro, girl, whatever whoever you are. Just, or in just between watch shit. Just watch it. All right, this is the end of our After Dark 5. You can always reach us through our email at gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word. You can also contact us on Twitter using the handle at palletgood. That's capital P and capital G, all one word. We have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash palletgood, capital P and capital G, all one word. We have a website, and uh, you should check it out at www.goodanimepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word. You can tell us on Discord or on our Mal Club how wrong we are about certain characters. Uh, the link is in the show description, but you can always email us, and we'll give it to you 100% no problem. All right, music credits for this episode. Our intro music is Shakedown by Low 5 Our break music is Up and Down by Toby Tranter. And our outro music is Sunset Dew by Lupus Nocte. Uh... Our music was provided courtesy of EpidemicSound.com. If you're interested in using Epidemic Sound as a service, we will have a referral link for you provided in the show description. Will, any parting thoughts? Any last thoughts that we uh, you want to leave the viewers with for Fruits Basket? I'm so glad that I just, on a whim, decided to start watching Fruits Basket. A lot of the stuff that like I just pick up randomly, like my little monster. I mean, to be fair, we, it wasn't a whim, right? I no, mean, it was a whim. I just I had absolutely no reason to watch Fruits no, Basket. Yeah, because we said season three. No, I watched it way before season three was even announced. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I literally watched it like a while back before it even came out, and then afterwards, that's when we were like, "Wait, you're watching it now? Okay, cool." And then season three was like, "Okay, now we definitely have to watch more," because then that's when we started, you know, doing our little group sessions of watching. Um, season two, but then we realized actually that no, this is actually getting really emotional. It's actually kind of hard to keep watching, dude. It was really tough to watch some of those episodes. The, the 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 summer house episode was just fuck me, dude. You do not want to see my face when Haru says "Welcome home to Rin." That that was if someone took a photo of my face, that would have been um, dude. Like just I think, let it out, man. I think just, like just snot cry. and like tears were coming out. And, like, my hand over my mouth, like, trying not to, like, bawl. On behalf of the, you know, the GAP boys, Jason and I, we implore you to please check out the 2019 remake of Fruits Basket. Well, technically, this would be the spoiler section, so you might not hear this. But if you do and you are still doubting us, please, by all means. Or you've watched it already, watch it again. This is one of the best shows in modern anime history, really. Like, really. Like the past couple of years, a hundred percent one of the best shows. All or right. yeah, just or you watch like two thousand one. Do yourself a favor and just watch two thousand nineteen. It will make everything so much better. 
All right, Will, before we go, uh, which color Power Ranger do you want to be? Uh, Blue. Really? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I don't, no, no one wants to be red. I want to be uh, red. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh, I'm going to be green. Why would I be green? Because green is badass, dude. Okay, we're okay. This is like this is like losing topic. Okay, but everyone knows the best Power Ranger is pink. Kimberly's the best. Jason's the best. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We will be doing more of these series in the future. Uh, we're not going to disclose any of them just yet. But hey, look, reach, in, reach us in Discord, email on our website, the fan club as well. Let us know if there's a series you want us to focus on. Drop us a message. Yeah. See you guys. Oh, 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 oh,